You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. I am your host, Steve Kent, and apologies for last week. Uh, Last week, we had technical difficulties that prevented me from being able to do the show, but luckily tonight... We have everything uh, up and running, and uh, just just real quick, uh, Lou and Kyle, I know you both are on the air. Uh, is there any feedback coming from my one from my uh, like? Do you hear an echo at all in my voice? No, I hear you in the background. You don't hear an echo. Um, no echo. No, not for my voice. Okay, so good. That means that my uh, my new method uh, is working. So luckily, it looks like I found a workaround uh, for what happened last week. Uh, however, if we do need if uh, if last week does happen again, uh, I will I won't have to disconnect. I'll instead uh, just play a little music thing and then reconnect, and then we'll be ready to go. Uh, but. Uh, we do have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that I was going to talk about last week, as well as uh, a whole bunch of topics that are on the, uh, the conversation uh, tonight. Uh, let's start with the Super Bowl, because yeah. we have the Battle of the Kelseys, officially, yeah. with the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the San Francisco 49ers 31-7, to and we have the Kansas City Chiefs with a very narrow-ass victory against the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20. to Now, I, I, have a little bone, I have a little bone to pick with that game, so we'll, we'll, take, a, we'll take that game second uh, because there's a little bit of uh, NFL officiating talks I want to get into. Yeah. But uh, let's start off with Philadelphia and San Francisco. Uh, we'll start with you, Kyle, because I know you're a diehard Philly, uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, this is the first time that the Eagles have made it to the Super Bowl since, I think, what, 2017, 2018? Yeah. Today's the game, five years ago, maybe. And... A lot of people have given a sort of criticism of the Eagles this uh, this year, saying that oh they haven't uh, they haven't really faced anybody. Uh, they had to go through the uh, they had to go through the Giants, uh, who are a rebuilding team. They had to go through the Niners, who didn't have Brock Purdy for most of the game. Right. I mean. I'll, Oh, what are what are your thoughts uh, first off, Kyle, on the road that the Eagles have had to take in order to uh, in order to make it to the Super Bowl? So, any if I'm directed, um, when people say we're not an easy cupcake schedule, wasn't the East the only division playoff teams? I believe so. Uh, Kyle, Kyle you're, coming in, you're coming in blurry. You're, uh, kind of you're, blurry? You're, yeah, you're sounding garbled. Oh, hold on. One second, sorry. 
What about now? Is that better? Yeah, 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 that's better. All right. Yeah, so when when people say we, we played nobody cupcake schedule, we're the only division that have three playoff teams. Washington could have been the fourth. We literally could have had all everybody in the playoffs. Hey, stuff happens, but I don't get this narrative of cake, cake, like cake. Like we can't control the schedule. Like next year, if we're in the same place, what are you going to say? We have one of the hardest schedules next year, and it's crazy to me. How about the fact that Philadelphia is we we have the second most sacks in NFL history? NFL history. Like, like, I don't think people realize, like, how crazy that is. It's crazy. So, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you can say the same thing for San Francisco. They played Seattle and Geno Smith, and then they got ran over Philadelphia. Right. Uh, Here's the thing thing I'll say about Philly is the fact that Oh, okay, yeah, you can maybe you can uh, you can rag on on San Francisco because of the fact that uh, you know Brock Purdy wasn't in the game right. for 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 that long. Here's the, the thing about that is I look at Brock Purdy's production this year, and I'm not entirely sure that San Francisco would have been able to keep it, to to go toe to toe offensively with Philly because. One right. of the things you one of the things you have to keep in mind is the Niners. They've had one of the best defenses this year, and yeah. their defense let up 31 points, which is something right. that they, which is something they rarely did this year. Yeah, and, and now, I, you brought up a great point. Is let let's pretend you know Brock Purdy never got hurt. Whatever, whatever. Like you just said, Steve. Do you think San Francisco was going to put 30 plus on Philadelphia? Probably not. Like, and and maybe that's right. a biased Eagles thing to say, but I don't think San Fran would have been able to score more than 30 points. Now, this is and obviously, you know, everybody knows I'm a Patriots fan, and right. you know, I would, I, I've ha- I've seen so many championships uh, this. This whole entire, uh, you know, in my lifetime, so to speak. Uh, the one thing I noticed about watching that game unbiasedly is the fact that San Francisco they did not they were they were not disciplined whatsoever when it came to penalties. No, right. Uh, you know, it, it just it seemed like, apart from Christian McCaffrey, this was a San Francisco like there was nothing of the San Francisco team that we had seen this whole season. Now, okay, Debo Samuel and George Kittle did uh as much as they could with uh Josh Johnson out there at quarterback. I mean, let's face it, this is a guy who who's been passed around 20 different times uh all around the league throughout his career since he was drafted in 08 or 09. So, I mean, there's a very clear reason why San Francisco had no shot at all, period, of winning this game. Right. And once Brock Purdy went down with the uh, with the UCL injury, which, by the way, it sounds like he is going to require Tommy John surgery, so he it's will be out all of next year, which means that San Francisco, they have to either hope that Trey Lance gets healthy 
uh, which is unlikely considering he had two separate surgeries on that uh, on that injury that he suffered uh, this year. He had two separate surgeries, and I don't know. It's just looking at San Francisco, uh, the way that they they were just unable to handle Philadelphia's defense. Well, both both sides actually. They weren't able to handle the offense or the defense. Right. And you know, I think I think it was clear that the Eagles were clearly the better team, even though Jalen Hurts didn't have the stats to back it up. I mean, 15 of 25, only 121 yards. Uh, Boston Scott, this was mainly a run game type uh, type of game for the Eagles. Yeah. With Miles, San- Miles Sanders had two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts had one touchdown run. Boston Scott had a touchdown. You know, it, ju- it, just, it just really seemed like this was, uh, this was the game where Nick Sirianni finally remembered, oh, hey, we have people who can actually run on this offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, let's go to you, Lou, about this one real quick. What, what are your thoughts on the Eagles uh, flat-out dominating the Niners after Brock Purdy got injured? Well, you were right. Once Purdy got injured, that was the end of that. You know, then you get him bring a sports string quarterback <laughs> – and he gets hurt, and then you bring Brock in, which made it even worse. Uh, not a very smart move on the 49ers department, so you knew things were going to go from bad to worse from that point on. NFL needs not to put in like a third, third quarterback you know, to avoid that mess because you already put in someone who's injured and isn't, and isn't getting better, so, you know, you, you were just you were just flat out stuck, and so I wonder why you, have, you know, it came out the way it be because I expected a much better game than that. I mean, 37 to 7, whatever it was, it was just, you know, too – I didn't even see the game, but it had been very painful to watch. I mean, that was just awful before it even began. They had to, they had to put in, like, a third quarterback to avoid this mess again. Why put in a player that's injured and it's only going to aggravate even more? Dump. Real dump. Right. Yeah. Now, here's the, here's the thing that, that, uh, that kind of makes – it kind of makes me think. I'm, I'm going out there right out, right out here, and saying that I believe the Eagles are the favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. And I know it's easy of me to it's, it's easy of me to say that when there's only two teams left. But I take a look at what this Philadelphia defense did to that offensive line, right? And it just makes me think okay, they're going to have to face Kansas City now. Kansas City, they were able to hold uh, Cincinnati the way they did with an injured Patrick Mahomes uh, being forced to most of the time stay in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to have a Philadelphia defense (laughs) gnawing at at that Chiefs offensive line. And I got to tell you, I mean, Cincinnati is one thing, but I think it's entirely possible we may see, uh, you know, we may we may see a potential dominant game from the Philadelphia defensive line in this Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Steve, I I think you 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 nailed it right on the head. This is the point that I've been trying to talk to speak, like prove to people, which O line would you rather have? 
San Francisco's, or Kansas City's. Last time I checked, they have arguably the best offensive linemen in San Francisco, right behind Lane Johnson. You can make an argument between Trent Williams and Lane Johnson, correct? Right. Last time I checked, correct. you know, yeah. and so look what we did to Brock Purdy, essentially, and, you know, Johnson. And if 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 there's even a tick that Mahomes isn't 100% or damn near near 100%, you don't think in Dominic and Sue, Linval, Joseph, Hassan Reddick, BG, Fletcher Cox, like Hardgrave, Sweat. You don't yeah. think those guys are going to feast? Like, I, I'm sorry, right. but, like, cool. Like, you can have the best tight end in the league, which clearly – so here, so here's what I've, I've, I'm also trying to prove to people. Besides quarterback, tight end, and coach, who has the better roster? Philadelphia, hands down. Like, so mm-hmm. – you know, and like you said, Sirianni is like, oh, crap, we actually have a running back who's very talented, you know. You know, um, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott's a dog, and, you know, and um, Kenny Gainwell is very good. It's it's just crazy to me that people are still writing on Philadelphia and Cupcake or whatever you want to call it. Like, it, yeah. it's crazy because the roster top to bottom is clearly in favor of Philadelphia. And the, the fact that, you know, Hassan Reddick didn't even get defensive player of the year, like, votes or top three is mind-boggling to me, you know? Yeah, he has been a game-changer for that defense. Uh, I th- We saw it when he was, uh, when he was in, uh, not Arizona, who, who was he? Or, yeah, when he was in Arizona. We saw what he did in Arizona for that defensive line. And for for that for that linebacker core, and he had a, a granted a brief stay in Carolina last year, but uh, you know it it was abundantly clear as soon as he became an eagle that that uh, you know I said it uh, when the signing first took place. I told uh, I told Tim Gross of Sports Whispers, uh, you got that is absolutely huge for your defense for your defensive line because uh reddick is i mean he made he made the second team all pro this year he was a pro now this is a little bit of a joke uh being named to the pro bowl nowadays but uh you know he was named to the he was named to the pro bowl and he was the co-leader in forced fumbles this year so you know, he's definitely he's definitely one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest upgrades for Philadelphia this year. Another thing that I noticed as well, you take a look at the fumbles lost and the sacks. Philly got to San Francisco three times, whether it was a fu- or three times specifically for sacks. They also forced three different fumbles as well in right. that matchup. And I got to tell you, the ballsiness as well by Philly uh, going for it on fourth down when literally, I mean, there, there's not a lot of teams who will aggressively go on fourth down uh, like Sirianni will for the, uh, with the Eagles. So mm-hmm. I think you could potentially see that come into play as well uh, in this upcoming Super Bowl uh, when it comes to – because Kansas City and Philadelphia are both ballsy, 
they have both ballsy uh, game callers uh, with Sirianni oh. and Andy Reid. And, you know, come to think of it, there's a lot of, uh, of storylines to this upcoming Super Bowl. You have Andy Reid coaching against his former team. You have the Kelsey brothers matching yes. up against each other. You have uh, – actually, you have uh, contenders for the – NFL MVP mm-hmm. matching up against each other. Jalen Hurts, who was injured as well, uh, as well as Patrick Mahomes, who was also playing injured. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different storylines uh, coming into play here uh, for this, uh, for this Super Bowl matchup. And, I mean, let, let's go. Let's go to you, Lou. Uh, we were talking. No, no, Kyle brought up. Kyle brought up the topic. Whose offensive yeah. line would you rather have? Would you rather have San Francisco's offensive line, or would you rather have Kansas City's offensive line? I think, based on that last game, I'm going to think I'd rather take my chance with Kansas City's offensive line because San Francisco had nothing. So, on the basis of that combination, I would think I have to go with the Chiefs. So, so basically, basically, you think Kansas City will have a better chance will have a better chance uh, to hold the, to hold the defense as opposed to San Francisco. May lightning strike me if I'm not telling the truth. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I can that I can tell right, from right off the bat. I do think that uh, you know this is easily the biggest uh, the biggest test I feel for for Philadelphia this year. When I mean, obviously, come on! It's the Magic Man. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Roger Goodell's new uh, hand-picked golden boy. Uh, to you know, to, to he's basically the new the new golden boy. I mean, hell, he got so many calls last week that not even Tom Brady would have gotten when he was well, with the Patriots. I mean, it was just flat out ridiculous. And you know, let's transition over to that over to that game, uh, Cincinnati and Kansas City. Now, I'll say this about about that game. Uh, first off, I do think that the penalty on Osai was warranted because you do not you do not rush after the quarterback, especially when he's already out of bounds. No, you don't. Of not. You don't perform a late hit like that and expect there to be no repercussions. And by the way, I believe he also uh he also might have injured himself, I think. Did he te- did he tear his ACL as well? I think he I don't know if he did or not. I don't think I don't think he did. Okay, cuz so, cuz somebody had told me that he had torn his ACL on the same play. Uh but I mean that you know uh, I completely understood the you know the the ref throwing the flag on that. I mean uh, there's no excuse whatsoever, Lou, for oh, some, no. for, for for a defender you know for a defender to do that when the guy's already out of bounds to begin with. And it was a stupid mistake like that that cost you the 15 yards, and you, uh, Caleb Vance, lost the game. You big dope. Yep. Yep, that's exactly what happened. It cost Cincinnati the game, and 
Loser. The problem I have with this, though, here's the, that wasn't even the problem. Here's what no. the big problem I have. Do you uh, you ended up watching that game, right? Correct. Do you remember that uh, that sequence where Kansas City was on offense? They yeah. ran a third down play. Uh, the refer the referee had said the uh, the play clock will resume on my whistle. Right, right. Which which they then blew the whistle. Play clock resumed, and then the Kansas City Chiefs ran a third down play, which ended up being incomplete, which led to fourth down. Everybody was expecting, okay, now Kansas City is going to go out and punt. Nope. Instead, what does what, what does the ref do? The ref comes in and says. Oh, uh, the the play clock did not resume when I blew my whistle, even though it was very obvious that it did resume. It was very obvious that it did resume. So he goes, "We are going to replay the. Uh, we are going to replay third down." It, it, it's it's almost oh, as if it's almost as if they were doing all they could to give Kansas City so many opportunities. Yes. Then, once they missed that second third down play, then they immediately throw a flag. Like, immediately. As soon as the play was dead, the, the ref immediately threw a flag. Uh, some bullshit holding call or something like that. I, for, I forget exactly what it was, but uh, it basically awarded Kansas City a new set of downs. Yeah, and it officially, you know, everybody started saying that the NFL was rigged. As a matter of fact, uh, NFL hashtag NFL rigged became a huge trending topic on Twitter right. that night. Uh, there was also a a play where Joe Burrow got rammed into by Frank Clark after uh, this was like. I want to say a good one to two seconds after he threw the ball and there was no roughing the passer call. However, if that happened to Patrick Mahomes, there would have definitely been a roughing the passer call on the play. Not to mention there was also, uh, I believe the referees missed a block in the back as well. He did. Which I, uh, not not just uh, not just a block in the back. There was a, there was a whole bunch of different calls that uh, there were also two holding calls on the Kansas City offensive line that the referees just let go completely, like didn't even didn't even bother to call. Uh, it, it basically came up as a as a topic of discussion this week whether or not the NFL is rigged because it, it clearly. It clearly seemed like the the NFL wanted a Kansas City Philadelphia matchup in the Super Bowl Where this year. Where have I heard that before? Where have I heard that before? I mean, you take a look at the penalties. Kansas City had four penalties. Cincinnati had nine. Yes. And nice. most of Cincinnati's penalties, I believe, if I recall correctly, most of Cincinnati's penalties were in the second half. Yes. Now. We take a now we go over to San Francisco and Philly. San Francisco had a whopping eleven 
penalties. Philly only had four. Yeah. I. It just seems like. It, it, it almost seems like the, the when you when you when you take when you combine the two games worth of penalties, fishiness that took place on that third down on that third down play by the referees. I mean, uh, let me just uh, let me let me pose this question to you, Lou. Do you think that the NFL is rigged, or do you think do you think that the NFL uh, pushes the game in a certain direction to where what they want to what they want to happen ends up happening? I think they do put, uh, with a certain with a certain direction. Uh, I wouldn't say the NFL is rigged. Of course, not the first time I've heard that. They've been they've been complaints about that for years. So I can't really say it's rigged, you know, like it is with the uh, WWE and whatnot. But I think there is some can, um, there is some direction that they that they do take, especially in a high stakes uh, moment like this. So you have to look at that that way. I mean, of course, you know, they've always said like, you know, what you know, uh, football games, um, boxing, or not. I mean, that that stuff has you know been going on for about a hundred years now. So that, the fact that they're saying that is rigged, and that's nothing new. I mean, they've been saying that, you know, even before, even before I was born. But uh, to prove it, that's that thing. I just think that, you know, they go another direction when they uh, come to this point. And, you know, we're looking for uh, the two teams that they wanted to go into the football. But now, there is no excuse for San Francisco in that kind of a game. I mean, that was just, that was just pathetic on their part. Oh, oh, this is another thing, too. Uh they also called intentional grounding on Joe yep. Burrow, even though it was very clear he threw it towards a receiver. He threw it. He threw it towards somebody that could have uh, that that could have um, you know potentially have made a play on the quarterback, or that you know that could have made a play to make to to make the catch. And I mean it that that just added the NFL rigged uh discussion that was brought up that was brought up on Twitter. Uh now Ron Tolbert Ron Torbert or Tolbert or however the hell you you say his last name uh discussed discussed the two different calls. First on the uh Intentional grounding. He said the quarterback was under duress, in danger of being sacked, and threw the ball into the ground. There was no eligible receiver in the area, and he had not gotten out of the pocket and thrown it beyond the line of scrimmage. So that was a foul for intentional grounding. Yes. Now, for the other instance, uh, when it comes to – the uh, third down, he said, on the previous play, there was an incomplete pass. We spotted the ball, but the line judge came in and re-spotted the ball because the spot was off. We, re- we reset the play clock, and the game clock started running. It should not have started running because there was an incomplete pass on the previous play. The field judge noticed that the game clock was running. He was coming in to shut the play down so that we could get the clock fixed, but nobody heard him, and the play was run. 
after the play was over, he came in and we discussed that he was trying to shut the play down before the ball had been snapped. So we reset the game clock back to where it was before that snap and replayed third down. Now, before I, before I even continue here, shouldn't the ref had then blown the whistle to rule it? Yes. And yet he didn't. If if you see that the line judge is running into the is running into the field of play like he claims here, wouldn't the logical thing have been to blow the whistle? Yes, but they weren't thinking very logically at all. So that's their that's their problem. But that would have been the smart thing to do. Now there was another question that was asked that said, "What are the normal protocols when a play can't get stopped in time and the play does get off?" especially if it appeared that it did not affect the play. And he answered, if we were trying to shut down the play and we couldn't, we would shut it down and go back and replay the down, which they didn't. They didn't shut it, could have shut it down by blowing the whistle. So, uh, you know, Lou, it just seems that's the big problem I had with this game is that – it seemed like this was a game that was basically settled by the referees. Yes, again. And they can't get half the calls right. And, 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 and that Cincinnati basically had no shot in hell whatsoever of, of potentially winning this game. Now, here's what, here's what I really love is the fact that uh, the upcoming Super Bowl, which is set for next Sunday night, uh, the Super Bowl referee, Carl Sheffers. <laughs> well, how should I put this uh, correctly wow. here? Uh, he is a Kansas City killer. We'll put it that way. Uh <laughs> So the Chiefs won two games with him this year, but both games came with controversy as in week five, he was the week five referee where Chris Jones got called for a roughing the passer on Derek Carr, even though he had stripped the ball away from the the Raiders quarterback. Uh, The other game came in week 15 when the Texans took the Chiefs to overtime and they ended up, even though Kansas City won the game, they got they got penalized ten times in the game, compared to just four for Houston. Now I, I know I know what I know what people will say. You know who cares? They uh, they won the game regardless. The point is, even though they're nine and three with him, he's been very anti. Kansas City in each of the games that he has refereed for them. They also, the last time uh, he refereed a Super Bowl was the one where Kansas City got their asses kicked by Tampa Bay when they were penalized for 120 yards in a game that Tampa Bay ended up winning 31 to 9. Now the Eagles only saw Cheffers once this year, where they where they were called for just four penalties in Week 18 when they beat the Giants 22 to 16. 
So the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is here. It kind of seems like if you're a, if you're a fan of Kansas City, you got to worry about the referees this week, this upcoming this upcoming week. I've been skeptical of them all year. I just don't think it's this week. Because Chuffers, even though even though uh, the Eagles were two and two with him over the past five years, and Kansas City was nine and three, Kansas City has uh, they've won basically in spite of Cheffers in the games right. that he's refereed. Now, normally you would you would think okay, this wouldn't be such a bad thing if Kansas City didn't have problems already injury-wise. As obviously we know about Pat Mahomes and his injury, but you also take a look at their at, at their wide receiver situation. They had to win last week without McCall Hardman, without Juju Smith-Schuster, and they were also missing uh, Kadarius Tony, I think, as well. Oh uh, yeah, Kadarius. Yeah, forcing them to basically play using their depth, uh, their depth receivers essentially. Uh, McCall Hardman not being there is also going to be a huge loss because he's maybe their fastest uh, wide receiver that they have. Uh, But it sounds like uh, he is doubtful for the Super Bowl due to a pelvis injury that he suffered uh, last, last Sunday night. And however, though, uh, it sounds like they're optimistic that Juju Smith-Schuster with a knee injury and Kadarius Toney with an ankle and hamstring issue uh, will possibly be able to play. Uh, mm-hmm. More more, li- more likely Juju Smith-Schuster because uh, he's reported to be, quote-unquote, in a good place. Um, also, despite appearing to aggravate his high ankle sprain, uh, Pat Mahomes claims he came out feeling fine following the uh, the victory against the Bengals. Uh, and I mean, he didn't really he didn't really uh, you know suffer that much due to the injury. No. Twenty nine of forty three, uh, three hundred and twenty six yards and two touchdowns. And obviously, we know we know the first down that he had uh, when he ran out of bounds and ended up being shoved by one of the other, by, uh, by Joseph Asai. Uh, obviously, he's going to continue to have treatment leading up to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it's, it's abundantly clear that, obviously, uh, you know, he's going to – he's not going to be 100% heading into the Super Bowl. So, Lou, uh, you know, normally I – send you the uh I, I normally send you the spreads for uh for our games gridiron. Um I kind of figured that we should make our picks right now. Uh with I don't know what the spread I don't know what the spread will be uh when Tim officially posts it. But it could uh, change. right now what is, what is it right now? I think it's uh well Monday it was two I think now it's down to one uh one to one and a half. Uh, let me see here. 
Yeah, one and a half point favorites. The Eagles are one and a half point favorites. So why don't we do our picks now, and we will we'll see how that goes. Uh, So let's start with you. Who do you have? Uh, Eagles are one and a half point favorites. I'm saying Chiefs. uh, Chiefs are going to win by less than a touchdown. Okay, so you have the Chiefs. Uh, I'll mark that down here, and when Tim officially uh, officially posts the spread, I'll officially mark it. Uh, I am going to go. You know, I just I I think I'm going to go with Philly. I I really think that you know even with uh, Pat Mahomes being the magic man, he also has an injury, uh, and I think that that. Philly defensive line is going to be a lot tougher of an uh, of an issue than the Cincinnati defensive line was for Kansas City. So I'm going to go with the Eagles on that one. A lot of people are. Yeah, I know a lot of I know a lot of people are. Uh, as a matter of fact, the line originally came out as I think it was two and a half for Kansas City. And then everybody started absolutely hammering the Philadelphia Eagles on uh, betting odds. And ever since then, the line has turned to Philly. So I think it's definitely, uh, who knows, the, li- the line's probably going to move between now and, uh, and next Sunday oh, yeah. anyway. So, yeah. Uh well, let's go into the Royal Rumble real quick because I do have a couple of uh, little tidbits. Uh, I had previously had discussed it last week before the technical issues arose, and uh, I ended up having to basically get rid of that whole entire uh, broadcast entirely. Uh, first off, so we did have a little bit of history. Uh, the Men's Royal Rumble time that the number one and the number 30 entrants were both in the final two. Gunther, who uh, everybody knows uh, overseas as Walter, and he came into NXT as Walter, uh, into the WWE as Walter, before being renamed to Gunther uh, when he got called up to the main roster. He lasted, and this is a new record, by the way, he lasted a total of one hour, 11 minutes, and 40 seconds, breaking the record that was previously held by Rey Mysterio, who had uh, been in the Rumble for one hour, two seconds, and 15, uh, or one hour, two minutes, and 15 seconds back in 2006 when Rey Mysterio won the Royal Rumble that year. Uh, But Gunther entered in at number one. Cody Rhodes entered at number 30, the son of Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Cody eliminated Gunther last to earn himself the opportunity to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the WWE Universal or Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, Another notable spot as well, Logan Paul got involved in the uh as the celebrity 
uh, entrant, if you would, in this year's Royal Rumble. And he had quite the spot, Lou. Uh, There was a segment in the match where both him and another wrestler, a high flyer named Ricochet, uh, Logan Paul got on the turnbuckle, Ricochet got on uh, the got on the apron and both basically flew into the air and collided with each other. Basically almost as if each one was trying to do a, was trying to do a crossbody at the same time. And I mean, that's, I don't think that's anything that's actually ever been seen before in the WWE uh, where both wrestlers collided in midair as, as a, as they were both uh, trying to hit the other. Uh, Some of the other little notes, uh, Chelsea Green, she returned to the WWE getting eliminated in four seconds in the Royal Rumble for the women, which set a new women's Royal Rumble record for fastest, four seconds for the fastest elimination in Royal, in women's Royal Rumble history. Boy, talk about you, Blake, you missed it. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, there's been there there's been fast eliminations before. Uh, matter of fact, I believe uh, Santino Morella, I believe, holds the uh, the record being eliminated by the men in one second. I think it was uh, the fastest elimination ever uh, ever recorded in a Royal Rumble match, uh, regardless of man or woman. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea Green returned, walked in, basically got eliminated in four seconds, and that set the new women's Royal Rumble record for the fastest elimination. Uh, meanwhile, Rhea Ripley became the first woman to win the women's Royal Rumble from the number one spot, lasting a total of one hour, one minute, and three seconds in the Royal Rumble. So... She will now go on to face Charlotte Flair, yes, the daughter of Ric Flair, uh, wrestling legend for anybody who doesn't know, uh, at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. All right, now we do have uh, a couple of uh, other things to get to. Obviously, uh, there's Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about that in a little bit because – God knows I have a lot I have a lot to say about that little prick. Uh but oh, this is actually just in uh from the Magic and Timberwolves game. Apparently uh for anybody who doesn't remember, there was an incident uh <laughs> involving Orlando Magic Center Mo Bamba and Minnesota Timberwolves guard Austin Rivers. where both engaged in an altercation in front of the Magic bench with both players throwing punches at each other. Uh, Then Jalen Suggs and Jaden McDaniels got involved as well as non-peacemakers, which resulted in a continued escalation of the situation. Uh, Then following the incident, Mo Bamba had attempted to continue to engage with Rivers in a hostile manner in the corridor outside side of the locker rooms where he also aggressively shoved a security representative. And then both parties continued the escalation on social media following the game. As a result, 
Uh, Orlando Magic Center, Mo Bamba has been suspended four games without pay. And Minnesota Timberwolves guard Austin Rivers has been suspended three games without pay for their roles in the altercation. In addition, uh, Magic guard Jalen Suggs has been suspended one game without pay. And uh, Jaden McDaniels has been fined uh, $20,000 for his role in the altercation, yet not receiving a suspension. And we're going to get back to this in a minute because this kind of ties into my next thing here. Uh, There was also another altercation that took place uh, between Memphis Grizzlies uh, guard Dylan Brooks and Cleveland Cavaliers guard Donovan Mitchell, where both were involved in an altercation after missing a layup. They claim, the NBA claims that Brooks initiated the altercation by striking Mitchell uh, in the groin area in an unsportsmanlike manner. And then Mitchell then escalated the situation by spiking the game ball at Brooks as well as pushing him, uh, which basically started a whole entire brawl uh, in in that game. Both were assessed... uh, fouls and ejected brooks was given a flagrant two foul and ejected while mitchell was only given a technical while being ejected at the same time uh brooks got suspended one game without pay and donovan mitchell only got fined twenty thousand dollars so here's my here's my thing lou yes It, it really seems like those who have been more established in the league they pretty much get a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. While those who have not been established, like uh, Jalen, uh, not Jalen Suggs, like uh, Jaden McDaniels, for or like yeah, Jaden McDaniels well, has been yeah. more established. Uh, he got only twenty thousand uh, dollars as a fine for his role in the Magic and Timberwolves brawl. But yet you see players like. You see players like Austin Rivers and Mo Bamba getting suspended four and three games. Uh, You also see Dylan Brooks. Now, granted, Dylan Brooks has a little bit of a history involving suspensions, but he gets suspended one game when yet Donovan Mitchell fucking tried to spike the ball at him. Right. So I mean, do do you think that there's a little bit of a uh, that there's a little bit of a of favoritism in oh, the absolutely. NBA? Oh, absolutely. In all sports, really, you know, football, football especially, there is a lot of favoritism. You know, in basketball, when you when you know the star players, you know, just only get like you know a small fine and maybe like a one game suspension, while the little guys seem to get the brunt of the punishment. And that's not right. And, you know, think of all the calls that, you know, some of the great players got, you know, uh, in a foul situation because they didn't want to see it get screwed up. So, yes, there is a lot of favoritism in the NBA. I'm surprised that nobody has picked up as a uh, to realize this. Well, you know, it makes you wonder uh, if, if, if there had been different players in this situation, like say LeBron James was one of the players, right? If if somebody like, if somebody like LeBron James 
would have been would have been disciplined just as uh, just as as hard as Mo Bamba was or Austin Rivers was. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into. <laughs> All right, the pro- probably the the big topic of the NBA here. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday, the little bitch Whoa. of the NBA, known as Kyrie Irving, has <laughs> requested to be traded ahead of the February ninth trade deadline. And Again. he's basically he's basically made it known to the Nets, either trade me or you're going to get nothing for me because I will be gone in free agency. Mm. Now, a little over a week ago, Irving's agent had said that her client hoped to agree to a contract extension with the Mets or with the Nets. Now, something has clearly changed with it being reported that he requested to be moved ahead of the deadline. Uh, Obviously, he will be a free agent this summer, and prior off-court issues likely impacted their decision to hold off on an extension. Uh, you got to think that there's probably going to be suitors for him. I mean, I know the Lakers have been have been uh, have been mentioned. The Mavericks have been mentioned. The Suns have been mentioned as all possible destinations. Uh, not to mention, they're still waiting for Kevin Durant to return. And they're in a they playoff need, spot. Need. Lou, they're in a playoff spot. Yeah, I know. But they keep this so up, they I, won't be in a playoff spot. I mean, seriously, what, what what are your thoughts on, you know, this douchebag basically showing his ass and saying, fuck the team, fuck the season, I want to go somewhere else uh, where I'll get paid now, why you instead of playing out. And why do we go to a team with the Lakers who haven't done anything? I mean, they have, they have played like crap for the past uh, few seasons, and Irving wants to go there. You think you're going to help the Lakers? I don't think so. You're in a playoff well, spot, I... and, you want to, and you want to desert the team. You know, last year, he goes, no, I don't want to – I don't want to get the COVID shot, so I don't do it by half. And now you're like, no, that's not satisfying. Irving, you're an idiot. You are a complete. Well, I mean, you are in this team. I mean, let me put let me put let me put it this way. I I actually think that the Lakers. I mean, granted, they're not that far out of the play-in tournament. They're only two games out. So. Yeah, but still pathetic. An addition of Irving, believe it or not, an addition of Irving would be a lot better if they can get rid of Westbrook. Irving would significantly improve that team's chances a lot. Now, I'm not saying that they would be, you know, finals contenders. I'm not saying that. But yeah, no way. Uh, I definitely believe that Kyrie Irving would definitely improve that roster compared to where the Lakers are right now. Okay, I'll give you that with that roster. Uh, let's get Alex's thoughts. Alex is, uh, is now joining in. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Alex? Hey, what's going on guys? Thanks, Steve. Doing well. Uh, nothing much. By, by the way, uh, apologies. I don't know if you, if you tried to call in at all last week. Uh, we had technical difficulties, 
okay. so I had basically said I had basically said screw it, and I wasn't gonna because I kept getting like this announcement nineteen error or something. So I was like, you know, I I wasn't gonna <laughs> deal with that screaming in my ear. Uh, and having no. to go to to play music a whole bunch of times during the show, but uh, <laughs> in order for me to get back on. That's cool. Yeah, I tried once so, and I was like, oh, something must have gone gone wrong. I was I meant to call you, but then I just said, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, what? So we've been talking about Kyrie Irving, uh, the bitch yeah. of the NBA, uh, uh-huh. wanting wanting to uh, basically he's basically forcing. Brooklyn to trade him. Either trade me, or you're gonna get absolute. You're gonna get absolutely nothing, and I'm gonna walk in free agency. Uh, in the middle of a playoff run, no less. Yeah, when they're doing really well, or you know, well enough, they're in the hunt. Uh, it's Kyrie pulling another yeah. Kyrie. Unfortunately, it's terrible for Nets fans. Par for the course with him. He's always he's always acted up throughout his career. He's, he's like never happy long. I would, they got to get rid of because uh, I, I read something today um, that he probably doesn't even want to play again for them. So it's like trade mirror hope he's just going to sit out. So they have to get something while they can. I yeah. Know. And if they move him on, well, you, Cam Thomas scored 44 points today. I watched some of the Nets. They came back and won today. So yeah. yeah, I know. I was Nick very Claxton. surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, they have Nick Claxton. They have, I mean, they obviously don't have like an incredible young core, but they have some nice young pieces. They're not totally done. I would, if they're going to get rid of Kyrie, you know what the next move is? Just because he's even older, they probably get just rebuild and get rid of Durant, I guess, because he's probably not going to be happy after a while. But let's not forget. Let's for not forget too. He he did not rescind his trade request. So yeah, it's terrible for Brooklyn fans. It's a good fan base, but it looks like uh, if one's going to go, they're probably both going to want to go so and the trade deadline is right now so i don't know within do you guys think both both are going to get moved i think Kyrie's definitely going to get moved by like monday or tomorrow night yeah didn't play today yeah what do you what are your thoughts do you think uh do you think that the nets will um will agree to Kyrie's demands and if so where do you think uh where do you see Kyrie you know, potentially landing? I don't landing? think so. I, I don't think so because I think you know uh, with the way the Nets are going and without Ky- and without Kevin Durant, I mean they're they're going to need they're going to need him. So you know I don't need so quick to say that you know Kyrie that they're going to give him the Kyrie's demands because they because they need a strong player on that team and you know next in line from KD is is Irving so. They're not. They're not gonna go down on this without trying to keep them. They're gonna do everything they can. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't place any bets yet that they bet they're going. Now, do you think? Do you think Durant will also stay put as well? I do. I, do. I mean, he hadn't had. He hadn't said anything, you know, about about um, being traded or whatnot. So I think he's gonna stay for the, for the most part. By the way, here's the here's the full list from what I know so far of who the suitors are for Kyrie Irving. You have both LA teams, the Lakers and Clippers. You have the Mavericks. You have the Suns. You have the Miami Heat. And now this one has just recently been added as of about a couple hours ago. You have the Chicago Bulls 
who are contemplating uh, making a uh, making a play for Kyrie Irving as well. You said the Bulls, Steve? Yeah, the Bulls. I'd get Zach Levine. DeRozan's awesome, but he's a little older. I, Levine's, what, maybe 30. Get Levine and someone else. Uh, uh, here, here's I don't the, know, Lou. Here's the thing that, Lou, that's I, I very interesting. Nets, I, I, I root for the Nets, too. I'm not trying to go against him, but right. I just I have a feeling he's not going to want to play again for him. I think they really they really might have to move him. And you might as well get, like, a Zach Levine's a great young – he's younger, too, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I got a feeling they got to, they, they might have to move him. Now, also, there was, there was a question as to uh, Seth Curry. Seth Curry ended up being taken out for the remainder of the game against the Wizards uh, for what they called a random adductor injury. And people have now started to question whether or not maybe Seth Curry might be a package with Kyrie Irving. And the reason being is because that was originally one of the, uh, one of the original uh, discussions was that Kyrie was going to go to the Lakers, that Irving would be, or, or that, that Curry would be going along with him. It would be basically like a package type deal. Yeah, so, so I, I don't know how much the Lakers have to offer though, because they don't have a lot of their draft picks. Yeah, it's like the Bulls well, might be were, the best of what they can get. They West they were Brooke, originally I mean, willing they were originally willing to give up two unprotected first round picks before Brooklyn pulled back uh, before Brooklyn pulled back Kyrie Irving. But I think they're like Steve. I think correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're like 2027 and 2029. You know what I mean? It's not ideal. They're not going to be picking for the next couple of years out of that tough spot. I, True, I mean, but Bulls, still, but still, it's uh, it's still, still though, it's draft capital. It's yeah, it's no, you're future right, you're draft right. capital. Bad. And then the Heat. I don't know if you mentioned them earlier before I was on. I apologize if you did, but the Heat. But yeah. the Nets have already said they want one of uh, one of these guys: Bam, Jimmy Butler, or Harrow. I'd, I'd do Tyler Harrow in one or two yeah. number ones. Hero's like 24, 25 years old. I would do Hero, Hero Durant, and then and add like one or two players or picks because that's the youngest oh, guy yeah. I've mentioned so far. That's the youngest guy out of all these different ideas that the Nets could get back. Yeah, I, I would, would definitely – I mean, if I'm, if I'm adding somebody the likes of Kyrie Irving, I would definitely bring in Tyler Hero. I, w- yeah. I would uh, I would I would bring Tyler Hero into the conversation, uh, especially since I mean they had just signed him to a four year deal this off season, so uh, you know it's definitely somebody who would be very uh, appetizing for the Nets to build around. Mm-hmm. Considering you take, I mean you take a look at his numbers that he's he's averaging around twenty points per game. Uh, 5.8 rebounds, 4.4 assists. The only thing is he seems to have a lingering ankle issue uh, that he's had for, quite frankly, most of the season. So he's kind of, you know, kind of injury prone, I, w- I would almost say. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a risk that the Nets would have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. I do think, though, that if Kyrie does leave, 
I do think Kevin Durant, you may see Kevin Durant leave at the same time. I would not be surprised at all if they're working on if the if they're working on two separate deals right now. Get 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 Katie to um ship him to Golden State simply if you're in the Nets simply because out of the conference and then more importantly, they have young guys you can get Kaminga, maybe even Jordan Poole. Then you could have like Hero. If you're in the Nets you'd have Hero, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton, the young core. Then you could add Kaminga. You could rebuild yeah. over the weekend. You could rebuild in the next 72 hours. I mean, Possibly. Young, three, or four really, three or four really good young players, they're going to blow it up. I'd do that instead of uh, draft picks. I'd get Hero, maybe Kaminga. I'd be looking at like 23, 24-year-old guys to get back. Then they, keep, they could still compete, you know, next year. And they'd have a young core. Yeah, now there, there, there is a whole bunch of other names that are on the NBA trade rumor, uh, rumor mill. You have names such as OG Ananobi. You got D'Angelo Russell. You have Jake Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's been known for quite a while that he that his time uh, in Brooklyn is uh, running out, or not Brooklyn in Phoenix is running out. Uh, you have Bohan Bogdanovich. You got John Collins out there. You have uh, Cam Reddish. Obviously, Irving, Russell Westbrook. If the if the Lakers get Irving, you know damn well that Westbrook is going to be on the move somewhere. Uh, you know, there's going to be. I, I think there's the possibility that we could see quite the active trade deadline this uh, this year. And Kelly Olynyk has also been another name that has popped up as well. Uh, he's been linked to both the Miami Heat and also the Boston Celtics, with both teams looking for another big man. Uh, to add to their uh, to their rosters, so uh, you know the trade deadline. I think the trade deadline this year is going to be very interesting because uh, when you take a look at the standings right now, uh, first in the Eastern Conference, uh, really for the most part, from number one to six in the East, you're looking at teams who could be legitimate contenders, depending on. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, with the Nets, that all depends on what happens with them. Uh, but I mean, you got the Celtics leading the way at thirty-seven and sixteen. You have the Bucks at thirty-five and seventeen. I think they're about to beat thirty-six and seventeen potentially because they're beating the Heat right now. Uh, you have the Seventy-Sixers at thirty-four and seventeen. The Nets at thirty-two and twenty. The Cavaliers at 32 and 22, and the Heat at 29 and 24. Plus, you got the Knicks, the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Pacers all in the play-in tournament right now. So, uh, it, it just—it really seems like uh, there's a lot of built-up interest in different players from teams that are on the outside looking in. I mean the Raptors, you know, they're nowhere near contending right now, twenty four and thirty. Yeah. Uh there's been talk that maybe Fred Van Bleet might be on the market as well potentially, as well as OG Ananobi, maybe Pascal yeah. Siakam. Uh yeah. you know, there's a lot of names that we could potentially be seeing on the move here. And Yeah. I mean, we look at the Western Conference, you know, you got the Nuggets on top, you got the Grizzlies, Kings, Mavericks, Clippers, and Suns all firmly in a playoff spot right now. 
with the Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Jazz, and Warriors just trying to stay in the play-in tournament. And you got the Spurs, who probably have one of the top big men on the market this year with J- with uh, Jakob P- Pertl. Uh, congrats, you know, congrats they're sitting. Congrats on pulling off that out. pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the only the only reason why I know that pronunciation is because I've I've listened to uh, to ESPN so many damn times when when the Spurs <laughs> have played, and uh, I've heard that name so many times. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good players on, that are going to be on the move. Toronto's really fascinating because they have a good group of young players. You know, Siakam's not old. Van Fleet's kind of in his prime, and they're just like, I guess there's rumblings of people not being five really good players. They're just kind of like getting ready to blow it up for whatever reason. So they have a a good group of players that people are very interested in. Um, Siakam's going to be the – Siakam, Van Fleet's a really good player too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's – you know, the, there's still a lot of players there from their uh, from their championship back in uh, in what was it 2019? Was it 20, yeah, was it 2019 yeah. that Toronto won? I think what you maybe off by a year of that. Yeah, they still have. I might be I might be off by a year, but still, you know, there's still a lot of players there from their championship yeah. team. So, you know, it, it, a lot of people were wondering. You know, when was the Nick Nurse uh, experiment going to die down? You know, when when was he going to start to wear uh, to wear out? I don't think he's the one. I don't think he's the problem out there in no, Toronto. I but think so. I think I think it's just the fact that a lot of teams have gotten a hell of a lot better uh, since the time that the that the Raptors were uh, bona fide yeah. contenders. You know, I think. Yeah. It's 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 really it's you know it's it's kind of kind of odd to say it this way, but I think maybe perhaps the game has kind of passed the Raptors by at this point with the with this current roster that they have. Yeah, and they have they have a they have two or three of their best players are what Siakam, Barnes, OG. They're all kind of like bigger, fast guys. They're yeah. almost like all positionless. They don't have like a traditional center. Right. Um, so they have like kind of like redundant in certain areas and then really weak in, at the center spot. You know, they start Siakam at center. He's not a center. So they're kind of like mix and match. It's a, it's a really cool, talented lineup, but I don't really know. It's obviously not really working the way it should be. So I don't know if they just move one guy or if they just blow the whole thing up. It, they're getting ready to kind of blow it up fully. There's a lot of talent there to be had. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the uh, on the the trade market this uh, this year? Where it seems like there's a possibility we could see quite a few teams potentially get blown up. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, that usually happens this time of year, where you know all the trades come up in a row, and uh, we could see some potentially blow up. But if you know Durant gets traded, uh, that's going to really hurt. That's going to really going to hurt the Nets. A lot, and um, you know, I for one, I want to see it happen. They did so; they're doing so well this year, and to have it go just because of a trade, uh, you know, that's going to do more harm than good for the Nets. You know, I hate to see it happen like it did last year when they had comfortable lead first, and then after the injury, forget it. I want to see At that. At the happen. same time, though, it might be necessary 
for the Nets to be blown up because you take a look at the at, at all the draft capital that they gave up uh, in order to get James Harden, and we saw how that completely blew up. So now they're going to have to recover all of those years of lost of lost draft picks that they that they've now lost, and a good way to do that would be to trade the especially if if you don't think you have a realistic chance of making uh of making the finals like Kyrie Irving clearly believes that that they don't have a realistic chance with this roster uh a good way to start up on and maybe do a little bit of what the old Brooklyn Nets did you know before Kyrie Irving and before Kevin Durant uh, back when they had players like D'Angelo Russell, uh, where they were basically rebuilding on the fly. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. You know, you can rebuild on the fly by trading Durant and trading Irving. You still are going to, I mean, yeah, they've been, they've been competitive without Durant, even though they did get blown out by Boston a few nights ago, uh, which by the way, a little interesting tidbit I found on uh, on Twitter. Time they've gotten blown out by Boston, the very next, or, or at least a couple days later, one of their big stars has asked for a trade. Wow. First it, happened, first it happened with Harden, then it happened with Durant. Wow. Well, well obviously with Durant, it was after the playoff loss, and... Now it's happened with Kyrie Irving, the former Celtic. Kind of embarrassed. Yeah, and a former Celtic in his own right. Uh, he's which, just so, by the way, he's we, so like he's so hot and cold, or you know the old by uh, the polar word. Uh, he's so like hard to read. He's, remember last, what was the last Saturday they were on like ABC or ESPN, and he had all of his family there, and he scored like forty five points. Like I forget who it was, who it was against, and Kyrie was acting like he's you know so proud of his team. And then, like, what, five days later, I want out. Four days yeah. before the deadline. It's, like, totally put, putting the Nets in a terrible position. Like, all of yeah. a sudden, you know, in the 11th hour, oh, I want to get traded. You have, like, three days to trade me. Now well, he's, like, he's not- basically sit- he's not He's not injured, guys. Let's not be foolish. He's obviously someone sitting out today. So, he's not, yeah. I mean, he's probably, like, refusing to play. How, how do you yeah. go back into the locker room and play? I mean, I, I hate to say it again. He's an awesome player, but. I think his time has to be done in Brooklyn. I don't see how he comes back in. I don't know. Oh yeah, they cla- they claimed he had a calf or he had uh, a calf tightness on. or a calf strain. Yeah, bullshit. No. So, yeah. I mean, what is he going to suddenly come back in in a week and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, guys, I, I acted up again." I mean, yeah, he's, I think it's kind of yeah. done. Unfortunately. I think they just got to move on from him. The, the, the teammates can't appreciate this either. It's a, it's a you know, carnival. Well, and they have some Claxton, Cam Thomas. They have some good young players. I think they really that. I think it's better for everyone if they kind of move on. As long as, like you said, Steve, as long as they get a, they can rebuild on the fly. They don't have to totally, you know, go into the lotto for three years. They could still be competitive if they get back like a hero or a Bam or someone like that. Or right. There's other even a Zach Levine. Maybe maybe Durant stays if you get like a Levine and someone else. I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah, they, stays. I'm not sure. And you know what they they were introducing the uh, they were introducing the starting lineups tonight, 
And this was before Kyrie Irving was a last-minute scratch. Uh, before the game, you know, when they were in warm-ups and whatnot, they were introducing the starting lineups, and Kyrie Irving was brought up, was mentioned, and fans booed him. His uh-huh. own fans were booing him. Mm. So he's already the, the Brooklyn the Brooklyn faithful have already turned on Kyrie so quickly. I think they're just sick of it. Unfortunately, you know he's just it's too much yeah. drama. Yeah, so it's they kind of deserve better. You know, they're and, kind of and, and you know not not just not just that, but they uh, Kyrie was also involved in drama earlier this year with the anti. Uh, I think it was the anti-Semitic uh, video that he had uh, promoted or something on, on Twitter. Uh, so yep. It was something from Amazon or, or whatnot, and he got a lot of blowback uh, to the point of where he got suspended by the team because of it. Uh, you know, it's just at this point, the guy has so much baggage. It's like, is there anybody who's even going to want him? In for, I mean, yeah, they'll want him now, but is there like if if he were to worst case scenario hit the free agent market, is there yeah. anybody who would even want him? Well, it's like the, the Lakers are like the perfect soap yeah. opera team. You have the Le- LeBron connection, Showtime. That's the one team that do they have enough to offer? I mean, if I'm the Nets, I'm just looking. I don't I don't care how happy Kyrie is about the destination. It's not in his control. If you want to screw me over. I'll send you. I'll, you can play, go play in Omaha. Like they hold all the cards right now. They have to get back the best returns. It's not about making Kyrie happy and sending them out to LeBron. I mean, imagine taking back Westbrook and draft picks like three or four years from now, versus potentially getting like Tyler Hero and someone else. I mean, they got to get the best deal possible. I don't see how the Lakers can make it happen, but I think that's that's the team that wants them the most. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I th- and also, not to mention, LeBron is basically their general manager. So, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, who would be – would they be able to even put together an enticing package? The way I could see it is maybe yeah. Brooklyn would acquire Russell Westbrook and then maybe they would try to flip him again. Yeah. If they, if they would try to flip him uh, that very same day uh, – Whenever they do make this deal, could they, trade could they trade Rui Hachimura, the guy they just got? He's pretty, he's a good young player. Could they trade him immediately? Maybe Hachimura, Westbrook, and like two two number ones. And then you have yeah, I do. Know, I do know that Hachimura has come up in uh, in some sort of in, in in a few rumors as well. So, Lewis, I don't know. Would you like uh, would you like Hachimura? Yeah. He's good. He's not awesome, but. You'd have Westbrook Duran again, but I mean Westbrook's not close to Kyrie. Let's be honest. So you'd have Durant, yeah. Westbrook reunited Thunder, Thunder in uh, Brooklyn. Combo. Yeah, Lou. What are, Lou? What are your what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Uh, if you were to bring in Hachimura, who's averaging about twelve point nine points per game and four point six uh. rebounds, uh, you bring in Russell Westbrook and potentially flip him again, and you also bring in two unprotected first-round picks. Would that be enough to get rid of somebody like Kyrie Irving? 
Well, Westbrook, uh, you know, I'm a little skeptical about that. I mean, he's had good numbers, but hasn't, you know, known someone with a Lakers. I don't know, but I don't know about taking uh, Westbrook. It's really hard to tell. You know, he's been so inconsistent too. He's also injured. I don't want to take a chance on that. Well, I mean, what what if what what if what what if you could what if you could then flip him though? Like, if you had a team that would be willing to take Westbrook off of your hands right after you acquire him, I'll do it. I'll do it. You see, that's that's the big question. Is I mean, obviously, you know, they could take Westbrook, but would would they then flip him right after that? Because honestly, I mean, I don't think Durant really wants to play with Westbrook again. Uh, since, no, no, he doesn't. Since his time in uh, in Oklahoma City, <laughs> I mean, which is which is a long time ago. Uh, you know, I just I. Don't I don't really know if 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 Durant wants to go through that whole thing again. Uh, there there was also uh, a little bit of a uh, a little bit of talk involving trade rumors uh, with the Utah Jazz. Uh, yeah. Utah Jazz, obviously, as I brought up earlier, Kelly Olynyk, uh, the Boston Celtics, and the Miami Heat have been looking at potentially. Uh, uh, potentially acquiring him. Uh, however, the Utah Jazz have been sniffing around uh, potentially for a trade involving uh, Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's good. He's a young, banner, young defender, yeah. rebounder, athletic Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's good. good. Um, he's kind of expendable because the Jazz have Kessler and they have um, Laurie Marking who made the All-Star team. Jazz are actually right. That's rebuilding on the fly. And Ainge has about seven hundred number one picks. Yeah. So, so the total that was a good. Basically, that was a the good talk flurry of moves that Ainge made a good flurry of moves recently. They're rebuilding on the fly. That's what the next. Yeah. Team the does. talks. The the talks from what I've uh, from what I've seen would involve Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, and draft pick compensation going to Utah in exchange for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. That's a good move for both parties. The, the Jazz have um, Conley Clarkson, and then more importantly, they have Colin Sexton, and they have uh, O.G. Akbay. What's his name? The good young shooter from uh, Kansas, from the Jayhawks. I mean, oh, way, the Jazz, um, Beasley's, Beasley's kind of expendable. And the Knicks apparently really like Malik Beasley. So hmm. Toppin could get a new start. Toppin's trapped behind Julius Randle. That's a win-win for both teams. Yeah. Fournier's not doing it. I definitely, I mean, I definitely Fournier, think Fournier, so. Fournier's kind of random. He's just buried on the Knicks bench. All he can do is shoot and not, not very well these days. But um, Toppin and Vanderbilt, that's that's interesting. It's kind of a good win for by both the way, teams. By the way, it does look like the Jazz will be sellers at the deadline. Uh, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson are two other names, along with Kelly Olynyk, that have been listed as uh, potentially going elsewhere, uh, according to Zach Lowe of, uh, of ESPN. So there's huh. 
you know, th- there's definitely uh, and also another another possibility too is uh, going back to the Lakers. Uh, there's been talk that the Lakers might have interest in a Bogdan Bogdanovich trade uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. So the Mavericks might want him too. Bogey. So yeah, we may potentially if if they could swing if they could swing Kyrie Irving, we could see them if they if they were to somehow acquire Kyrie Irving without giving up Westbrook, uh there's talk that maybe perhaps they could swing Westbrook for Bogdanovich. Wow. Which yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I would actually like that Lakers team a lot better with Irving and Bogdanovich than Westbrook. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They add another shooter. And I'm sorry, the big three. I, I'm not a Laker fan, but uh, Kyrie, LeBron, and if Anthony Davis stays healthy, they can absolutely go quite far further than I would like to see. So that's, that's a big that's a big three. It's a huge three. Kyrie, LeBron, and AD. They're right back yeah. in the mix if they land Kyrie. I hate to say it, but they're absolutely – Right at the near, the near the top of the West. There's enough Definitely. time. They go on a run. They could. I don't care. Just get into the playoffs with that lineup. You think they're scared of uh, not having home court advantage? They can win on the road with those three. They just get in the playoffs and they can they can go quite far. By the way, let's discuss that deal. Uh, we talked about Hachimura, uh, Hachimura earlier. Uh, the Wizards sent Hachimura to the Lakers in exchange for Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Honestly, I'm surprised I'm surprised that the Lakers had to send that much. You know, I yeah. actually thought I actually thought maybe it would be a little bit more, but the fact that they only had to send Nunn and three second round picks for Hachimura Honestly, I think the Lakers got a little bit of a steal here. They really did. He was so highly yeah. regarded coming out of college, and then for whatever reason, he injuries and didn't really find, didn't really make his mark in Washington. But he's he's a highly touted uh, younger player, and now he's now he's suddenly playing like a lot of people thought he would. He's starting. They're starting him. Um, him, LeBron, and AD. That's their front court now. He's playing well yeah, in and, LA now, and he's like twenty four years old. And also, it does it does say that the Lakers do plan to re-sign him because he's a restricted free agent this summer. So, yeah, they do plan to yes. re-sign him. Uh, assuming they don't move him, they plan to re-sign him. I mean, he's only twenty four years old too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Lakers made out so, pretty well there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big get for the Lakers. And Shooter's playing well. I mean, the Lakers have been pushing Boston to the limit. I mean, if they get in right now, they could probably do some damage. If they added Irving, they're you know another dimension. But I mean, they're playing yeah. a lot better recently with uh, Hachimura. Is kind of giving them a nice, uh, a nice spark. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're going to be dangerous. Maybe you know. You know LeBron, like you said before, guys. You know LeBron's uh, telling everyone to pick up the phone and try to get his boy Kyrie. They're going to do right, something yeah. big. They always, they always swing for the fences. So, all right, uh, let's, let's go over. Yeah, go for it, man. Let's 
let's go over to baseball real quick because we do. Uh, I was I planning to bring up the Baseball Hall of Fame last week before I ended up uh, being rudely interrupted by my phone. Uh, <laughs> Scott Rowland finally made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, earning 76.3% of the vote which it seemed like he was uh, he was definitely on track from the very start. Todd Helton just yeah. missed out at 72.2%. So it's it's more than likely that Todd Helton will make it next year. And with the jump that Billy Wagner had this year, uh finishing at 68.1%, there's a possibility that Wagner will also make it into the into the Hall of Fame next year. Thanks, so. It's possible. Uh, now, Scott Rowland, obviously, of course, uh, I mean, it's it, it seemed fairly obvious when I original when I when I originally uh, saw him as the top guy on the on the uh, ballot this year that he was. If anybody had the had the opportunity to get in. He was probably the most likely guy that was gonna that was gonna do it this year. Uh, I mean, 316 career homers, a career 281 batting average, 1,287 RBIs, uh, seven-time All-Star. He won the World Series with St. Louis back in 2006. Uh, he was the Rookie of the Year in '97, an eight-time Gold Glove Award winner, a Silver Slugger winner. Uh, I mean, hell, you know, he spent uh, he spent his time in the league with four different teams: the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, and the Reds. You know, it just it just seemed like it was only a matter of time uh, that uh, b- before uh, Roland would end up making his way into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I think longevity was the key. He was never like, well, I think first of all, coming out of I mean, I've read a lot, and we've all seen him play a lot. I know he was going to be, like, the next big thing at third base. I think he just, over time, he was, like, a B-plus, A-minus player for many, many years. He just, you know what I mean? I don't want to say he filled the stat sheet and kind of, like, well, yeah. I mean, he kind of just, like, slowly built his resume because he just kept putting up, like, you know, 22, 25, 27 homer years. And he played for, what, maybe 15 or 16 years So at the end of his career. Yeah, he yeah, retired debatable, at 36. But he, he, yeah, he just you know what I mean. He just slowly accumulated those stats where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's debatable, but you can see him getting in, and yeah, he got in. Just kind of yeah, he retired he, over a long time. He's a very he steady, retired very at the player. age of uh, he retired at the age of 36. So yeah, he, he still could have like, played for a couple of years if he wanted to. Well, yeah, and you know what I'm saying. He was, he was he was never like a top ten player in the league, which is what you think. Oh, Hall of Famer Ken Griffey, the guys like you know Mike Schmidt at third base. There's other guys like Shewins, but uh, he just over the over the test of time, he just kept putting up numbers. And so I mean, there was a lot of heat. There was a lot of flack. People were debating. Oh, he shouldn't have gotten in. But I mean, if you look at his overall body of work, you know, it's Hall of Fame stats, longevity. Right. Now, uh, what, what are your what are your thoughts, Lou, on Scott Rowland uh, finally making it in this year with uh, with seventy six point three percent of the vote? Best things come to those who wait, and he's waited long enough. 
So I'm glad he got it. But, you know, one player only making the Hall of Fame, I mean, that's not much of a much of a list. I mean, you know, you, you would think, you know, not that long ago there was at least about four or five that made the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's a quality of players just becoming that bad and not, they're not going to get in, or is there something else behind it? Because I know it takes, you know, about three-quarters of the vote to do it. But still, to see a, a lack of players get in over the past few years, uh, does that does that uh, mean anything? Because there used to be more than just one player, and there have been a couple of occasions where no players got like the end of the year at all. Well, well you know, I, I think one of the things to take into consideration is should they uh, like? Has it gotten to the point where they should take the steroid era into into consideration at this point? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you have you have people like Manny Ramirez. He's already eight years into his eligibility. Uh, next year, Sheffield will be his final year of eligibility. Uh, but Manny. Mm-hmm. You know, Manny only got 33% of the vote this year. Alex Rodriguez, he dropped. He only got 35% of the vote. Oh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you have you have players that have been notably involved in steroids or substance right. uh, issues. Uh, Andy Pettit is another name. He, he only got 17% of the vote this year uh, in – and next year will be his sixth year of uh, eligibility. Um, Andrew Jones, he's got a couple more years, but he, uh, you know, he saw a sizable step uh, step up this year. So maybe in a couple of years he could potentially get in. Beltran had a pretty good first year, forty six and a half percent. You know, another thing too is I think a lot of the a lot of the baseball writers they hold a grudge against certain players, I feel. Especially in the like, steroid uh, era. Yeah, especially in the steroid era. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people believed that Jeff Kent should have made it this year. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and he didn't. I think so. Look at his numbers. And he didn't because he was apparently a real prick. But uh, again, well, yeah. look at the, look mean, at the numbers. He's a, yeah, but I mean, three three hundred and seventy seven homers, a two ninety uh-huh. batting average, career RBIs of one thousand five hundred and eighteen, a five time All Star. He he's a former MVP, uh, a four time Silver Slugger. Um, I don't think I don't think he was a part of any World Series teams. I don't think so. Well, no, uh, well, did they make one more? He was obviously with Bonds. For four or five years, or three or four years. Uh yeah. From ninety-seven to two thousand and two, he was a giant. Nice, five years. Hey, uh, even a even a broken clock's right twice. I got that one nailed. Uh, but again, that's he's a classic case of a guy that was salty as hell and a total biatch uh, in dealing with the media, and then yeah. that's how that yeah. comes back to haunt him. There's been a couple of cases of guys like Pat that just piss all over the media, and then wow, when they're sitting that they were in their mansion waiting for the call, it never comes in for the Hall of Fame. It comes back to haunt them. I think Jeff right. Kent is a case of that where he kind of burned some bridges with some of those voters through the years. I mean, same resume. You just named some Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, and also next year, there's, I mean, you take a look at the potential ballot for next year. You got Adrian Beltre. You got Joe Maurer. Yeah. Maurer, I, I believe Maurer has the resume touching-wise to where he could probably we'll be that. first ballot. He yep, may be Beltre, a first yeah. ballot Hall of Famer. Beltre, Beltre too. Uh, yeah. Now, there, there, there are other players in this ballot that, yeah, they won't be first ballot, but I think at some point maybe they might get in Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Bautista, uh, Victor mm. Martinez potentially. Although, I don't know, did Victor get popped for steroids? I'm not sure. I don't think he did. I forgot about uh, they also have Chase Utley on this ballot. They got David Wright on this ballot. You got him. So you got him. Utley, I mean, there's quite Utley, a few. Yeah. Utley, yes. Wright might feel might, Wright might suffer the same fate as uh, Mattingly with the injuries. But I mean, Utley, I think definitely. I'd love to see David yeah, Wright, but that's literally that's literally the Mattingly syndrome with the injuries. Wright might face that that wall, that obstacle to get in. You didn't do it yeah, for, and, you know, you did it for like six years instead of like 14 years. Right. Longevity. And not to mention in twenty or in 2025, you got Ichiro, who is almost guaranteed to be first ballot. Get 95% of the votes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, a few, there's a couple of other considerable names uh, on the 2025 list. Uh, you have CeCe Sabathia. You have Dustin Pedroia. Ian Kinsler, uh, the King, Felix Hernandez, Troy Tulewitzki, Curtis Granderson. Granderson. Uh, I mean, you know, we've, I mean, we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation Sorry. before when Jim was on that, you know, not everybody is going to get into the Hall of Fame, but. Uh, Tulo is even a worse, uh, more uh, sadder case than Wright and Mattingly combined. Tulo went from like. 45 home runs to like, you know, getting getting a minor league deal with the Yankees and just not even making the year. Like, he just dropped yeah. the clip. I don't think I don't think he Tula went from the next big uh, phenom, like the the, the next A Rod to uh, I don't think he's gonna get in. His his career yeah, he absolutely, absolutely pumped the brakes and just stopped. Like when he was like 27, he was done. 28. Yeah, he absolutely dropped. And uh, uh, he, doesn't the, 20... he doesn't have the uh, longevity. I, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. Twenty uh, twenty twenty six. You're not really looking at a lot of people for twenty twenty six. I mean, really, the only two people are Cole Hamels and Ryan Braun. And I mean, honestly, I don't really see either one of them no. uh, making it for twenty twenty six. So, uh, and Braun got steroid issue. Yeah, Braun. exactly. Yeah, Cole. Cole, not enough. I mean, he he wound up being like a five ERA pitcher for those last three or four years. I I don't know. He was an ace for like three or four years. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, twenty twenty seven, we could have Buster Posey, but I Hall think the big question. Yeah. I think I think the big question with Posey is whether or not uh, the fact that he retired early could could. Uh, well, no, I actually no, I don't know because uh, ten years. What's his name? Retired early. Uh, Scott Rowland retired early and he got in. Yeah. Posey had like 10 good years. Eight, nine, nine, eight, nine, ten. I think Posey done. Because he was like considered the best at his position for upwards of half a decade. 
Yeah, you know what I mean. It kind of moves the needle. I think Posey Posey gets in. Okay, so may, so maybe he will get in then. Uh, you know, I all I know is I I do think there is something to be said. The fact that uh, you know we're going to start to see a whole bunch of uh, potential candidates get. Uh, you, you know, we're going to start to see the pool get smaller and smaller for uh, potential legitimate Hall of Fame candidates. Uh, I mean, hell, there were a ton of people uh, this year that, uh, you know, just didn't even didn't even make the cut. You know, I mean, I remember we were all talking about uh, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, and I don't think he even made the – I don't think he even made the cut. Wow. Yeah. Like – in terms, yeah. In terms of the, uh, oh no, he did. He he made he got ten percent oh. of the vote, ten point eight percent. So he was the only. Well, him and Beltran were the only two people on the first ballot uh, this year to stay on the ballot. Uh, all of the other, all the other people, uh, Houston Street, Bronson Arroyo, Mike Napoli, John Lackey, uh, R. A. Dickey. Those were the only other people who got even a single vote on this ballot. Um, huh. Everybody else basically got eliminated. So, uh, I mean, there is potential. Tory Hunter just barely got on the ballot this year with 6.9%. So he Ooh. may potentially be in jeopardy of dropping off next year. Injuries uh, again. Exactly. Like like you just said, injuries. He was on a fast track, obviously. He was like the next yeah. great, you know, center fielder. If he stays healthy, he's a shoo-in. But like uh yeah. like a third of the guys we've been talking about in the last half hour, injuries uh reared their ugly head. And did And it's a shame too, but I do think there I think I do think there could be a legitimate problem uh in the future here with the NBA or I mean with uh, Major League Baseball in terms of uh in terms of Hall of Fame legitimate candidates. Yeah. Oh, Steve, you have a, Steve, if you don't mind if I just throw a quick idea out there for 30 seconds or for 3 minutes. I mean, no, what do you, what do you no, think go right ahead. Who are like the top 5 guys right now that are playing that are better than like you got Trout who else in 10 years is going to get in or eight years from now? What current Hall of Famers are we watching this summer? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, you know, I don't know if Trout will get in. No. Uh, just uh, he, he cannot win a playoff game or get to the playoffs somehow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's one thing, you know, we saw, uh, we saw Dan Marino get into the Hall of Fame and yet he, uh, yes. And yet he never even uh, he never even won a Super Bowl. So, uh, I mean, you do look at Trout's resume. Trout does have the resume. The thing, the thing I'm wondering that could potentially prevent him would be if if they take playoff success into into consideration. I mean, you take yeah. a look at these numbers. You take a look at these numbers, a 303 batting average, 
He has 350 homers, 896 RBIs, 204 career stolen bases. He's already, at the age of 31, he's a 10-time All-Star, a three-time MVP, a three-time All-MLB first team. He was Rookie of the Year, a nine-time Silver Slugger, a two-time Hank Aaron Award winner, a two-time All-Star MVP. He's also led the league in RBIs and stolen bases. He's part of the 30-30 club, and he also hit for the cycle. He's got to get it because there's been there's been other guys that haven't had to get it now. much. There's been other players previously that have gotten in without much of a playoff track record at all. I mean that resume is phenomenal. What you just listed, I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah. So, that I, good. so quite fr- quite frankly, yeah, I would be surprised if Trout, when he retires, if he granted he's he's got a long way to go. He's only 31. Uh, I would be very yeah. surprised if he isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer when he yeah. retires. And I didn't mean to steer it over that direction randomly, but like guys like uh, oh, just off the top of my head, I mean, Verlander's in, obviously. Uh, obviously, Aaron Judge. I'd I'd put with as long as he has another five really really good years, even a guy like he's not a shoo-in, but. I don't know. Uh, That's just possibly, the top of my head. I think, I think on, I think you give him enough time. Maybe a couple of years down the road, uh, being on the ballot, he could potentially get in. How about Mookie Betts? Uh, yeah, well, I would. I, I think yeah. I would say, considering his stats. I would say there's probably, and uh, granted, I may be a little bit of a Red Sox homer here, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean he he is a former MVP. He's won the World mm-hmm. Series twice. He's a six-time All-Star, a six-time Gold Glove Award winner, a five-time Silver Slugger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's also a former he's also a former batting champion, and he's hit for the cycle as well. And he's got maybe four or five more five more years, I'd say. It's definitely. What is he? Thirty, yeah. He's 30, so he's got more than five. He's got, he's got maybe seven or eight more years, I would say, assuming he can stay healthy. Another awesome outfielder who I I love. I, I, Mookie's great. I don't I don't like the next guy at all, but he's got the track record. Bryce Harper, because he finally won. Yeah, got a World Series. Got a World Series. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to. I, with the injuries, I've seen I've seen him lope to first base. He, I saw several 250 seasons. He wasn't a shoo-in, but that, that, the World Series run just catapulted his chances up, up the charts. Yeah, I mean, granted, granted, he didn't win. Granted, they didn't win the World Series, but I think that run did help. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you do look at his track record: seven-time All-Star, two-time uh, MVP. Uh, he was part of the All MLB First Team back in 2021. He's also a former Rookie of the Year, a two-time Silver Slugger winner, a two-time Hank Aaron Award winner. Uh, he's also a Home Run Derby champion. I don't know if that really t- takes into We're account at all. Can't hurt. Get out of here. <laughs> he's also a bat. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a possibility. Oh, you know, there's a possibility. Big whoop. <laughs> I mean, it's. I could. 
see <laughs> him potentially. I mean, obviously he's not going to be first ballot, but assuming he continues, yeah. he's got you know he's he's the age of thirty right now. Uh, assuming he has the same amount of time as say Mookie Betts, I could maybe see him eventually possibly. making it into the hall, possibly. Uh, depending on it, it, it really depends on how much uh, on how much further you know if he doesn't drop off the rest of his career. Yes. Yeah, by the way, uh, we have an we have an update on Steph Curry. Uh, he was pulled from the game tonight due to a left lower leg injury. Uh, X-rays were negative, and he will get an MRI. But it sounds like there might be concern for a little bit of an absence for him. Wow. You know, I was looking at their roster again, not to... Not well, when to, I watched the game, I mean, I, I, I didn't know Just while we're on the topic of Warriors, I'll just... One last final point. One one last final point due to, due to the Warriors talk about Kyrie. I would, I would do Kaminga and Jordan Poole in one pick. For Kyrie, yes. think about that. Sure. You have two guys who are like twenty-four years, twenty-two years old. Poole and Kaminga, boom! I do that straight up. Two starters. Hmm. No. Kaminga's a twenty. Poole could be an all. I mean, Poole could be your starters, shooting guard. Then you have Claxton and Kaminga, Poole and Cam Thomas, and then then you still get back people if you want to move Durant. I don't know, just an idea. Get two really good young hmm. starters. For uh, for Kyrie, Kaminga and Poole. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. It's not bad. No. By two, the way, I didn't know that. I, I I didn't know this by the way right now. But any MMA fans, uh, if you turn on CBS right now, Fedor Emelianenko is set to fight his final fight in his mixed martial arts career. Is he like a huge, uh, huge, uh, oh, it is huge name? Oh, huge! Yeah, uh, he was—he never fought in the UFC, but he was huge over in Japan for uh, for Pride Fighting Championships. Uh, back in the glory days, he was considered to be the top uh, heavyweight in all of mixed martial arts. Like, wow. uh, I mean, he—he he was basically. He was basic. He was basically a guy that. Uh, you know, was maybe the most feared mixed martial artist in all of mixed martial arts. Like nobody wanted to fight him because you want to talk, you want to talk about a guy who looked like he could barely be beaten. Uh, His first loss came in December of 2000 in his fifth professional fight. After that, he didn't lose all the way until 10 years later. 10 years and – let me make sure I have this right. 10 years and 29 fights later, he suffered his second loss. Wow. Yeah. Remarkable. And he's been and, – and then he went on to fight another 13 years. So uh, – uh, right now, he has a record of 40, uh, 40 and 6 with one no contest. Uh, he's trying to avenge his loss to Ryan Bader, uh, which was originally for the vacant Bellator Heavyweight World Championship. Ryan Bader 
is the heavyweight world champion right now for Bellator. And he's defending his title against Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, A lot of people know Ryan Bader from his time in the UFC, uh, winning the six-figure contract, uh, winning the Ultimate Fighter Season 8. But... uh, Ever since ever since leaving the UFC and going to uh, Bellator, Ryan Bader has basically become one of the top heavyweights in the world. So, right. Uh, not just that, one of the top light heavyweights too. Um, if he were to decide to to ever drop down to light heavyweight again, uh-huh. but uh, you know it's. Uh, the, this uh, this was a guy, uh, Fedor Emelianenko was a type of guy that, I mean, he literally he looks pudgy, like he he looks like there's literally no power in his hands whatsoever, but I mean it, it, he lo- looks are one thing, but he could knock people out like it was nothing. Looks and he could and he could ta- and he could take a a significant amount of damage too. And still, and still go uh, go on like nothing even happened in the fight. Wow! So interesting. I, you know, for old school for old school fight fans, I mean, this guy is responsible for a lot of classic fights against people like uh, Rodrigo Nogueira, uh, mm-hmm. Kazuyuki Fujita. Uh, Babalu Sobral, uh, Mark Coleman, Kevin Randleman. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Mirko Krokop. The list, the list just goes on and on with this guy uh, of yeah. top names that that he uh, that he routinely fought against in the Pride Fighting Championship back in the. Uh, Back in the early, uh, the early to uh, to mid two thousands, before before Pride ultimately ended up closing their doors uh, because the UFC bought them. Um, mm. By the way, uh, speaking of the UFC, uh, has anybody heard of that of that uh, slap fight? Uh, that slap. Uh, apparently, there's a sport now called slap fighting. I thought you were gonna say the slap by uh, Dana White. The slap yeah. around the world. Oh, too. Well, yeah, there was that too. There, there was that too. Uh, no, I, but I, I know. I find. I just I found it kind of ironic that he slapped his wife literally uh, days before uh, his slap fight league was uh, was set to uh, debut. It's a prelude. Yeah, maybe he's teasing it. It was symbolic. Yeah, it's called. Uh, I think it's called uh, the world of generating slapping interest. Yeah, and actually, uh, actually, uh, the one the one who's joining us right now would probably probably has a lot of uh, a lot to say about this. Uh, JB, uh, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on Dana White's slap fight league? <laughs> I. I I don't know really. You haven't seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. I well, for those, so for for those who haven't seen it, it's on TBS. 
And basically the rules are established as follows. After a coin toss to decide who goes first, the first striker has a time limit of 30 seconds to deliver an open-handed slap to the opponent as hard as they can. Slaps must be below the eye but above the chin without leading with the palm such that all hand-to-face contact takes place at the same time. Those being slapped may not flinch, raise their shoulder, or tuck in their chins. After being slapped, (laughs) the slapped competitor then has 30 seconds to recover and get back into position before it's their turn to slap. Fights which don't end in a knockout and go three rounds go to a judge's decision, somehow using a 10-point system for slaps. Oh, man. I've heard you slap at it, but this is ridiculous. If this is on WTBS, what not what night is this on? Uh, let's see. TBS is, I want to say it's Wednesdays. You hear Nick ridiculous. And it's hey, on, obviously with Dana White slapping his wife on which was literally like the week before he announces and then he announces his new slap league after he assaults his wife after he slaps his wife. Is this, are you kidding yeah. me? Maybe I mean, that has that? something to do with it, huh? Maybe he's trying to, like, uh, make it. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Come on. Oh, Fedor, come on. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Fedor's going to lose. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Bader's on top of him right now. Bader caught him with a shot to the back of the head, it looked like. Oh, well, it's on our TV. Yeah, it's on channel. It's on CBS. Yeah, it's on CBS right now. Wow. And JB, I want to I want to get your thoughts on uh, on Fedor, JB. This is his final mixed martial arts fight, and it's for the Bellator Heavyweight Championship too. Well, Ryan Bader is the uh, champion, so you know you really can't say it's for the championship when. Uh, Ryan Bader is the uh, champion. Well, it is, technically, because he's defending the title. Only, yeah, it's for the title only if uh, Fedor uh, beats. uh, (laughs) Uh, It's over. It's over. I killed him. I think it is, yeah. Winner. Herb needs to stop the fight. This is over. Yep, we got a winner. Fedor, Fedor, Fedor is just bleeding on the mat right now. What What is Herb doing? Yeah, yeah there we go. Finally stopping the fight after after Fedor basically got his face smashed in. That's yeah. a good time to well, fight, Joey. One, one thing, Fedor has always been, uh, you know, a bloody uh, fighter in any of his uh, fights. Even yeah. the ones that he has won, he's always been a bloody mess. And this yeah, is that's what you know. That's what I was bringing up earlier, but uh, before you joined us, JB, that he's always been a guy that ooh looks like his nose caved in. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> oh, that does not look good. Now he's going to get shown on network TV. Yeesh. Um. One of the things I've said is the fact that he's always been able to withstand so much damage 
and yet go on like the fight, uh, go on in the fight like nothing has happened. Oh yeah, and he's beaten uh, you know a bunch of uh, top guys too. You know, like yeah. uh, when was it? Like uh, ten or twelve years ago? During during Pride's heyday, back from two thousand to two thousand and five or so, yeah. uh, before Something they like were that, bought yeah. by the UFC. Well, that's uh, that sucks to have to see him uh, go out this way. But yeah, well, hey, it is what it is. All right, let's go on to the. Uh, oh, by the way, JB, uh, what do you think about uh, one of your former Cincinnati Reds, uh, Scott Rowland, making the Hall of Fame? Hey, I didn't read about that. Now I was also reading about, uh, you know, some other uh, uh, Reds uh, numbers that were uh, retired after. Uh, yeah. You posted something on um, Sports Whispers about, uh, you know, about Venezuela's uh, number being retired, and I was almost ready to post, it's been about time, but then again, if you look at the Reds, uh, they just retired um, Pete Rose's number in 2016, so... Mm -hmm. It's really about the same amount of years uh, hmm. that they retired the number since they uh, played. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of surprising, but I but then again, I guess not because you know it seems like the entire sport of baseball has held a grudge against Pete Rose ever since uh, that whole betting. Since 1989, which, yes. I mean, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Now it's a little bit of hypocr- it's a little bit hypocritical because uh, now most sports have a, have betting sponsorships. So yes, but this is back yeah. in the day when they didn't have it. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, yeah, all he had to do is oh. apologize. That one time he wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's legal yeah. now, but. You know, and he was in the dugout yeah. doing it on his own team, which makes it worse. He was involved in the sport. And he would be in right now if he had walked his pride, you know, chilled out a little you bit. Think and, they would, and, and you think if he, he apologized, would have, if he bowed, it would have made a difference? If he bowed down and apologized to, what was that, Bud Selig? Yeah, I think he'd absolutely been in the Hall of Fame right now. He got he blackballed yeah. himself by just refusing to just say, you know what, I really messed up. I'm sorry. I mean, I think that's what haunted him yes, all these did. years. That's, what, that's what's keeping him out, I think. Okay, but I don't know if an apology would have saved that though. Because like you know, I don't think I don't think so either. It deals with the, it deals with the integrity of the sport. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the integrity was tarnished. I don't yeah, know if it I might not have done an apology. In. It would have helped his chances, yeah. but it might not have done it. But it couldn't have hurt. I mean, it couldn't. I think it couldn't have hurt. Not going to change anything either. Yeah, it's tough. it's a tough debate. Yeah, you're probably right, but uh, you know, I guess you know when you. Well, I still... take my word for it. I'm just saying that you know I'm just thinking my my own opinion. But I mean, don't take my word for it. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. I mean, you that. know, you know, it makes you it makes you wonder if it would have done if it would have been done in a in a in a in, a, in an era like today. 
like if there if there was betting uh on on baseball back then i mean betting you know back back to the point of where they would have betting sponsorships like they do now uh would it be as would it have been as big of an issue back then as uh you know compared to compared to now where it seems like people have kind of forgotten uh about uh like what's his name for example uh that wide receiver from the uh formerly of the Falcons Cal- he's now a Jaguar Calvin Calvin, uh, Calvin Ridley Calvin Ridley right. Yeah it seems like it seems like people have have kind of forgotten that Calvin Ridley uh was suspended for uh for betting but that's the not so it's illegal it's, now that that was just a side, just a quick thing though, to note the difference, Steve. That was, or sorry, that was, uh, you know, that was, he was playing, it was, I think it was a different sport or it was just on another team. I mean, the fact that, but then back when Pete was doing it, not only was it illegal, like you couldn't do it from your phone or wherever you were, but then the biggest, the biggest faux pas, the biggest miscue for Rose was that he was betting while he was a manager, on, you know, in the games he was True. participating. Ridley was already sitting out. I think Ridley was injured, and Ridley, Calvin Ridley, the receiver, bet on uh, another team, uh, like one time. I mean, Pete Rose was making calls into the mob, you know, from the dugout during games on yeah. his own team. So I mean, it was a lot bigger. Well, it was a lot. He worse. wasn't a lot worse. Yeah, he wasn't betting against his own team, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah, different era. Right. I mean, it was. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's an argument both ways, I guess. Yeah. Ridley was, it, guy, it does, like Ridley it, was a it, one-time thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but he was, uh, you know, betting on uh, baseball. But he never did bet against, uh, you know, his own team. I wish he could get in, but yeah, it's it's a tough tough debate either way. Yeah. Wow. They, uh, you know, I'm I'm still watching this thing, uh, this Bellator right now, and they got a whole bunch of uh, a whole oh, bunch of geez. MMA legends in the ring right now. They got Randy Couture. They got Chuck Liddell. They have Matt Hughes, Dan Henderson, Mark Coleman, one of the guys that Fedor beat uh, multiple times. Uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson. There's a whole bunch of uh, that's another another guy he's beaten before. Uh, they have a whole bunch of legends on hand for uh, for this. That's pretty cool. Yeah, where's but, Dan uh, Henderson at? <laughs> well, I mean, just uh, JB, just uh, just look for the just look for the doofus uh, with a, with a pointed chin. Sure. Oh, oh, uh, oh yeah, they got Josh away. Barnett out there too. Barnett, yeah, there's Dan. There's Dan Henderson. He's one of the ones that uh, has beaten uh, Fedor in the right back in the yeah. past. Right. Um, now let's see. Uh, one of the other bits of news in baseball before we move on. Uh, Mike Clevenger of the Chicago White Sox is under investigation by Major League Baseball following allegations of domestic violence and child abuse. Uh, according to Britt Giroli and Katie Strang of The Athletic, uh, the allegations of domestic violence uh, and child abuse involved the mother of Clevenger's 10-month-old daughter and their child. Uh, 
The 32-year-old right-hander, of course, signed a one-year $12 million contract with the White Sox this offseason. Uh, it's unclear as to whether or not he will ultimately face discipline under the uh, under the joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy training. But uh, right now, I believe MLB is currently undergoing an investigation on that whole situation. But uh, yet another blow for the White Sox uh, in this Uh offseason here. That's horrendous. Yeah, he's – I forget what else I've heard about him. He's he's had some issues through the years. He seems like a pretty much a scumbag. And the allegations sound pretty uh, pretty accurate. I guess he's married with kids. It's not some random girl that he picked up at the club that's looking for a lawsuit. He had like a long-term wife and kids. So it sounds like uh, a genuine, accurate story, which is awful. Uh, he's had yeah. allegations through the years of cheating, and I think he got someone pregnant and paid him off. So I'm not saying he, he's gotten like felonies on his record, but he's had some character issues in the past. So this right. is, uh, and this looks pretty pretty revolting. He was he was uh bitten chewing tobacco on his uh infant and then he like shook another kid that he has with his longtime wife. And then he was uh I think it didn't it range into didn't he didn't he hit his wife furthermore? I think so. I mean it yeah. looks it's a pretty wicked uh several stories going around that I, I think he might uh yeah. might be suspended for a year or what have you. It looks pretty awful. I wouldn't be surprised at all from what I from what I'm reading here. Yeah, I mean the wife seems pretty sincere. Again, it's not some random girl that uh sue him out of nowhere. Sounds like a pretty yeah uh, legitimate story. Sadly. Uh, also, uh, in baseball news, St. Peter's, the mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, Ken Welch, announced on Monday that his choice among Four competing bids to redevelop Tropicana Field and the surrounding 86-acre site. Uh, The city council apparently must sign off on a development agreement, which might not happen until 2024. The Rays currently hold control over the land through the end of 2027, which gave them significant leverage in this process and made it essential for the city to select the Rays' preferred choice as the developer for the site, which... Uh, turns out it's turns out it's going to be Heinz, I think. Uh, so if the two sides are unable to agree on a financing agreement for the, a new stadium, the club would likely begin exploring the possibility of relocating for the 2028 season. Hmm. So the time has or the clock has started ticking in Tampa. Yeah, the 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 bullshit's over. Unfortunately, they have no money. They have no. Who are they going to play half their games and? Well, then you're really then you're They keep talking about building the stadium. They don't have any money. It's a it's a train wreck, and they have a great young team every year with no payroll. Yeah, you might as well get them somewhere where they'll actually get back with some money and uh, be even better. Maybe uh, maybe Tampa doesn't deserve them. Sadly. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's hard because Retirement Village cares more about the about the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at this point than yeah. they do the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays. So, and bad the the red the Red Sox fans and the old uh, 
retirees from Brooklyn and Queens that live in Florida, they go to see the Yankees and the Red Sox more than the race when they're in town. There's no not kidding. a lot of yeah. race fans there. Not a lot of race fans there. There are, but you know, not nearly as much. I mean, do you have any fans? Yeah, it's just not ideal. I think it's time they're probably better off Thanks. if they get moved somewhere. Uh, also, uh, speaking of stadiums, uh, there was there was talk about the Orioles with Camden Yards, and they have declined a five-year lease extension that was offered to them, and they're seeking a longer-term agreement with the Maryland Stadium Authority. So, uh, looks like Maryland are right now. Uh, the lease remains in effect through the end of the 2023 calendar year. So right now, basically we may potentially be looking at the Orioles looking for a new home as well. If they can't come to terms on a new agreement. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't have agreed to the five-year lease extension that was offered to them. Because you know they, they say that they want a longer-term deal. Well, how how long are we talking about? Fifty-year <laughs> <Just> deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, t- I, uh, you gotta you gotta understand that uh, every so often, every couple of years, obviously. Leasing, you know, it's going to come to talks or come time to have talks for an extension. So, take the damn five year, the five year uh, extension, and and you know revisit it back in twenty twenty eight. Yeah. You know, this doesn't this doesn't mean that Camden or this doesn't mean that the Maryland uh, Stadium Authority is going to give them what they want, in you know. Uh, as they continue the negotiations here. Yeah. I think this was a big mistake by Baltimore. Yeah, I do too. Uh, let's awful. see. That's a great stadium, and they, they finally have a bunch of uh, really good young players just coming up. Baltimore's about to get pretty damn good, finally. Yeah. And I've uh, I finally uh, – I find, I, you know, I've, I've avoided it long enough, so we might as well tackle it now. Uh, <laughs> former, yeah. former New England Patriot and Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneer quarterback Tom Brady <laughs> has officially go. announced his re, his re-retirement <laughs> if you uh, earlier this week, <clears throat> claiming that uh, this time it was. For good that he would be officially retiring. Uh, I mean, it, and, we and basically talk- the, Rolling, the Rolling Stones are on their final, 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 final tour too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we, you know, we talked we talked about this previously. You know, the the uh, accomplishments that he's had over his career. Uh, you know, I I originally said that. Brady definitely should have come back for at least one more year because That's of the fact thinking, of Well, I mean, you t- you take a look at what at what he did last year. He had MVP yeah, yeah. caliber numbers. Exactly. So, obviously, you know, if if 
if if somebody if, if somebody like that has MVP caliber numbers, do you really think that he's gonna you know that he's gonna stay away from the football field? No. No. This time though, I think it is as I said earlier on your show, Lou. I think it is yes. legitimate this time because All right. you take you take a look at what he's leaving in Tampa. They're yeah. they're basically in shambles right now under Todd Bowles. Uh, you know, because from what I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard Mike Evans might be on the trade market. Wow. Uh, they're going to be lo- they're probably not going to bring back Scotty Miller or uh or Julio Jones. You know, it's going to be a significant overhaul. Uh oh also they're not going to bring back Leonard Fournette apparently. So, it's going to be a pretty I significant overhaul. Okay. Yeah, no, they're they're from what I've heard, it sounds like they're not they're going to move on from from Leonard Fournette and they're going to go elsewhere. Uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to looking for uh, looking for for running backs, I think I think uh, quick idea right here. He's going to sit out a year. Well, he's getting that lucrative. He's making more as a Fox analyst coming up as he would be a quarterback in event. That he has a ten year three right. something million dollar deal for broadcasting. Dude, I I don't right. know if there's one guy that might come out again after a year and go, oh my god, I need to play again. It would be probably Tom Brady. He'd be what forty six yeah. next year, forty seven. Yeah, he'll he be, might come he'll back be, again he'll be, somewhere. He'll be forty six. <laughs> he'll be forty six at the end of next season. I mean, the guy is just so. I don't know. He might. I would never say never with Brady. I think he might come back after like a year sitting out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't shock. And you know the thing. The thing is too. It's not like he put up horrible numbers this year. I mean, he no. put up he put up some decent numbers. I mean, yeah, it's not as good as the MVP caliber season he had last year, but you know, he still put up numbers that you know, you would expect out of a uh, out of a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I mean, uh, you know, there were team there are teams now like for example, San Francisco, you know, they uh tra- they're not going to have Jimmy G back. Uh Trey Lance, it looks right. like he's probably going to be held up because he had to undergo two different surgeries uh on his uh you know, with with uh, with his uh leg issue. So, I mean, San Francisco could have probably used him. And now, uh, you know, Brock Purdy is uh, now more than likely going to undergo Tommy John surgery because that's what they're recommending to him right now. That's awesome. That he oh. goes, that he goes through Tommy John surgery. Uh, from what I've heard, though, I've heard that Brock Purdy is still looking at other options uh, before ultimately deciding to go through with the Tommy John surgery. I still, I, I heard he's still trying to. Mm-hmm go through other options and see if there's another way to go through with it. But from what it sounds like, it sounds like it is going to be Tommy John surgery for him. So, uh, but you know, it's just, I don't think, cause what I found interesting is 
that they said there were only two options for Brady. He could either come back and play for and play again for the uh, uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or he would retire. That's what I found very interesting about this whole thing. Is that he chose to retire rather than come back and play for Tampa? Oh well, there you go. Then now he's kind of off the hook morally. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Dedication-wise, he can say, "Well, I'm, I'm no one. I'm, I'm no. I'm not with anyone anymore." He can sit out a year and then he's free to sign with whoever. I mean, because then he doesn't yeah. want to be known as someone jumping around to all the different teams. So he can almost take a year off to kind of like get out of the spotlight and then resurface one last time. I he should go back to New England, dude. He should play from when he's 47 to 50. He should play like two more years with yeah. New England. That would be the perfect ending for him. I don't think this is the perfect ending for for Brady deal. This isn't how he this isn't how he wanted uh, it. No, but at the same time though, you know, it kind of makes you it kind of makes you wonder, you know, just exactly. Now, grant, granted, maybe things would have been a lot different this year if he had a competent. Uh, if he did, if he didn't have uh, what's his face, uh, Byron Leftwich calling his plays. <laughs> yeah, in both. Yeah. And, you know, and forty. Maybe, you know. 30, 30 guys got injured, terrible coaching. It was a train wreck the whole season. Yes. Yeah, you know, it, it, make, it makes you wonder if maybe perhaps things might have been different. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe, That'd be may, cool may, maybe perhaps, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to tell because you don't know what type of player he's going to be if he comes back. If he comes right. back after after taking off this next year, I think he will come back. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, he could come back, but would he still be? Would he still be as effective as he was when he left, or would it be like, wow, I should have just stayed retired? Well, yeah. I don't think well, you know. The guy's like a cyborg, though. He's in such phenomenal shape. The guy's like a, you know, his body is a temple. He has like, you know, he's like the healthiest guy, whatever. And then um, yeah. I just think with his fandom and how popular and beloved he is, if there was one way in one place he would be able to come back and not look like a, an idiot, it would, you know, one last hurrah, New England. It would one be year, New England. Two yeah. years, like a one-year deal, and then they make the playoffs, and then he comes back again. He can play two or three years in New England and then just call it a – finally really, really call it the career. Right. I you know, know a, lot of people, a lot of people suggested that. A lot of people suggested that maybe perhaps Mac Jones would take a back seat for a year and learn under Brady. Uh, you know, the, Patri- the Patriots would, uh, would exercise uh, Mac Jones' uh, last year of his, uh, of his rookie deal. And, you know, he could learn under Brady and, you know, Brady would have, Brady would make one more, one more run at it with Belichick uh, for one last Super Bowl uh, opportunity and then retire as a Patriot. And, you know, it would basically be the Patriots way of sort of making it up to him for uh, the way that he 
the way the way that they ended things with him, the fact that they wouldn't give yeah. him the contract that he wanted uh, so many years. It would be because, out of the movie. That would be the perfect ending. Even if he, even if it's you know even if it didn't go, even if they went you know, uh, you know ten and seven or nine and eight, and he wasn't. I mean, it would just be the perfect ending either way because he'd be coming back home. I mean, really. Right. I mean, obviously, yeah. You know, that would be that would obviously be the perfect ending for uh, for any any New England fan. You know, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's kind it's kind of hard. It's it's kind of hard to tell uh, whether or not. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Patriots were were one of the rumored destinations. But then you kind of wonder, okay, if you bring back Brady, do you lose? Do you lose Mac Jones in the long run? Like, right? You know, does does his confidence get completely shot to where, uh, you know, replacing him with Brady for one year instead of him learning under Brady, you know, he he starts to take steps back, basically. And it's like, well, New England doesn't, you know, New England had to go back to their old guy because they didn't believe in me uh, for two straight years. So why would I want to stick around? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, again, with the way he wants, the way he's currently going out, it's like, can't really tarnish. I don't know. I think he's willing to roll the dice if Bill and Bill and Bob Kraft would take him back. They will. They would. Oh yeah, uh, you know Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft was uh, Robert Kraft was asked, uh, would he would he do a uh, one day deal to have Brady retire a Patriot? And he said in an yeah. instant, yeah, it or, would never. Or, the Patriots, it, or they or the next year the Patriots start zero and three, or um, Mac Jones gets injured in week six. Who are they calling? Tom Brady. Right. The the question is though, you know, Brady usually likes to likes to go through a sort of regimen to get ready for a season. Would he would he even be willing to you know, go through that same regimen uh on a uh on a last minute basis? Yeah. You know, that again, I think the I guy mean, the guy he's not going to be eating uh He's not going to be partying in Vegas. The guy is, like, obsessed with uh, being in, like, peak health. You know what I mean? Just from everything we've read. The guy's a nutrition. So I think he's – I think health-wise, you know what I mean? I think he'll maintain his uh, – his, he'll, he'll stay in shape. Um, but you're saying – Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, him him staying in shape isn't, isn't what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is, you know, actually – because, you know, you got to shake off the rust and everything – uh, if he ends up taking a, a, an entire year off from football, you know, you kind of you, you kind of have to worry. You kind of have to worry like, okay, am I am I going to have to get back into the swing of things to where you know maybe my instincts aren't as sharp as they once were, you know, being out there on the football field and making the making those same decisions as I used to for so many years in a row. 
That's true. Hey, I'll be, I'll be back. All right, JB. So, you know, there's there's definitely a big uh, – th- that would be a huge decision, you know, yes. to be uh, – to, to, to ponder about uh, when it came to the Patriots because, yeah, okay, you know, you do bring back Brady, but at the same time you also risk the possibility of losing Mac Jones in the process. Yeah, I'll wait about that. Because, okay, if you lose Mac Jones – then who are you stuck with? What you got? You, you got Bailey Zappi as your uh, as your backup <laughs> option. Bailey Frank Zappi Zappa. is going to be Bailey Zappi yeah. is going to be is going to be your answer. <laughs> yeah, not optimal. I, so, I think I look decent. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Mac Jones. I mean, he's already pissed off though because Patricia was calling uh, Tecmo Bowl plays. So, yeah, he's already pissed I, off. I, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. If there if there's anybody that's excited for uh for Bill O'Brien to be the new offensive coordinator, Mac Jones is probably at the top of that list. <laughs> yeah, he's sending him a bouquets and uh, bacon apple pies for him. He's welcoming him. Yeah, he's, he's welcoming him with arms uh, wide open. He's fucking over the moon right now that uh, <laughs> that Bill O'Brien is his offensive coordinator instead of uh, instead of Matt Patricia who. By the way, from what it sounds like, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia will be let go uh, because yeah. the Detroit the Detroit Lions are no longer paying his salary. So uh, <laughs> apparently, that's the only reason why Belichick even brought him back was because the Patriots didn't really have to pay him. Kind of hang out, grab a headset, call some plays if you want, make yourself at home, do whatever you want. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, played the whole gist of it. Uh, however, Joe Judge, it sounds like Joe Judge will be kept around. <laughs> that's so, not a, that's that's no bueno. He needs well, to go. Uh, that all depends. Is he being Don't let kept him around to be? Is he is he being kept around to be the uh, the coordinator for special teams? Because if he is. I will gladly take Joe Judge over the ass hat that we had this past year. Yeah. <laughs> Who single-handedly co- single-handedly cost us the Buffalo Bills game. Oh, that was egregious. Yeah. Because he didn't know he didn't know how to uh how to scheme to stop uh to stop Naheem Hines. Yep. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, we've we've beaten this drum a, a lot, but yeah, they really have to turn the page and get back to coaching good football because that was a disaster this year. Bill Belichick, it starts with him, and he should be ashamed. They really have to button things up. They will. They will. I mean, that's that's the worst collective coaching job I've seen in a while, and you'd never expect it from Belichick either. It was such a weird season for them. Right. I'll, you know, I'll tell you one thing. If uh, if Mac Jones wants to be wants to be challenged this season, oh, he's he's gonna get it with uh, with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's gonna challenge him. That, that's still, you, you know still, that you there's still no, believe, there's no you still doubt in, in my Mac, mind. Right? You still believe in him long term, right, Mac Jones? Oh, I do. 
I, yeah. I don't know about other Patriot fans, but I definitely believe in Mac Jones long term. Uh, you met, I mean, you mentioned someone before, man, Mike Evans, dude. Think about how much better he'd be with one really awesome number one receiver. Exactly. If he had a legitimate number one receiver, like you take a look at every quarterback in the league. Every quarterback yeah. in the league has at least one go-to guy on their yeah. team. And you're right. We've, we've talked about it before. We've talked about it before. They do have some good weapons, but I mean, just right. having that really that home run threat would make all the difference, especially for a still developing younger quarterback. Right. I mean, Mac Jones. Yeah. The only the only go to guy that he had was Jacoby Myers, and he's on the free agent market this year. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, well, yeah, because he's a he's a uh, I think he's a restricted free agent, so. There's no guarantee. I mean, yeah, the Patriots could uh, could could always uh, have the chance to match uh, whatever a team offers him, but there's no guarantee that the Patriots will actually bring will actually hang on to him because it, it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like he is going to get paid in free agency. Period. He's going to get uh, close. From what I've heard, it's close to number one receiver money. That he could that he could command on the market. Nice. And think about it. This is a guy who went undrafted. Yeah, except the guy Bill likes. So the one thing I'm thinking, if they're letting him, humanly, apparently letting him go, they're they're probably gearing up to really land a Mike Evans or someone like that. I mean, Bill's not going to. Uh, I think they're going to get someone big as a wide receiver. Yeah, I do know. I do know that uh, that they're on the uh, they're on the short list for uh, for what's his name from Arizona, uh, Hopkins. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've heard that uh, connection. That the rumor that would be awesome. Exactly who they so, would be. The type of person. Yeah, there is the possibility. You know, they could they could potentially land uh, Hopkins. It's you know there's there's a whole bunch of possibilities, especially it it really seems like uh, when it comes to this off season that we could have another off season similar to the one when they brought in Hunter Henry, they brought in Johnu Smith, they brought in uh, Matthew Judon when Belichick went on a spending spree, and I think we may see a similar thing this time because he, uh, Robert Kraft has made it known that he is pissed. He is yeah. livid with how they, with how they wasted this season. And all those rings, man, he's not, he doesn't want to stay uh yeah. media. He wants to return to dominance or at least, you know, good playoff football. He's not going to set up for this bullshit. Nope. Yeah. And also another another thing too is the fact that the uh, that the cap level is going to rise uh, significantly from what I've heard in the next couple of years. So you know it's if if I w- I would not be surprised at all if we see them go uh, especially aggressive this off season when you consider. Uh, fact that you, you could you could basically say that Belichick humiliated himself this past year 
definitely. Yeah. So I think he's probably, you know, he's definitely feeling the pressure right now from Robert Kraft as it is. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, if we see them go berserk, basically, uh, in the draft, I would expect that they're probably going to go after a lineman potentially in the first round. I don't think they'll go defense. Although, with then again, with McCourty retiring, maybe they might go safety in the first round. Because it sounds like McCourty's going to retire, and it sounds like Matthew Slater uh, is going to retire. Their top, their top special teams guy. Um, yeah. So... You know they they do have needs they do have needs to address and they also have to address as well whether or not they're going to uh, commit to re-signing uh, Damian Harris. Yeah, they might go an offensive weapon though too, man. I I don't know. They can go a number of directions. Yeah, it's uh, the one one thing that's definite is the fact that. Uh, Belichick has definitely been spoken to, and also not just that. Uh, I don't know what's going on right now with Jared Mayo, but apparently yeah. he's being kept around because they even relate they they released a statement, Twitter, that basically said that they were that they would begin negotiations to keep Mayo in Foxborough. Belichick doesn't release statements like that. That came wow. that came directly from Robert Kraft. Wow. So Yeah, they're done they're done with like the, the kind of like uh mixed signals and maybe rubbing some people the wrong way. I think they're gonna be making it known that they're ready to win. That they don't want certain people to leave anymore. You know what I mean? They were just kinda like do not want the past couple of years. I think they're going to return to really not messing around and really trying to become dominant again. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they want to go. I don't think they want to go through the uh, the Josh McDaniels situation again, where <laughs> he ends up. Uh, I, I'm not saying that Gerard Mayo is going to be the successor to Belichick, but uh, no. they don't want you know they don't want people get you know. Uh, rising to the top of uh, of the uh, coaching levels and deciding to leave the Patriots to go elsewhere. Yeah, you're right. That's a good call. I think they're done doing that. Yeah, so I do think that whatever whatever is being done with Mayo, he's going to get, uh, even if he doesn't get the title of uh, defensive coordinator or uh assistant head coach, you know, he's probably going to be compensated pretty close to what Josh McDaniels got to remain in New England, which basically McDaniels was being paid like a head coach. I think that's probably what we're going to see uh, for Gerard Mayo. I got that feeling, man, a year from now, maybe not, maybe, maybe sooner Brady's going to resurface. One final time in in Fox in in New England. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be a hit. That'd be a trip. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I mean, I 30, would love it. 
three days or less, he'll, he'll say, I'm not retiring again. Because for one more second. Look, I mean, Brett Favre did the same thing. He did it three times. I mean, I would I would love it, if, especially if Brady came back to New England. I would love it because, you know, it's not like New England ever wanted him to go. Right. No, Patriots, Patriots fans loved him. Patriots fans basically looked at him as if as if he was a member of their family. So, right. You know the fact that Brady ended up leaving originally. I get you know I guarantee you every single New England fan was rooting for him in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Everybody wanted him to to not just get to the Super Bowl in his first year outside of New England, but also to win the Super Bowl. Because a lot of people wanted him to stick it to Belichick. The fact yeah. that you know a lot of a lot of people believed that him leaving was a Belichick decision and not a Kraft decision because uh, right. you know Kraft, you know he has enough money to where he can you know he can basically offer whatever whatever Brady would have wanted. And it was up to you know it was up to Belichick to basically start the procedures, which Belichick never did. One thing, one thing I want to say about Tom Brady though, and that is, uh, it's a big question mark. You know, how do you think he's going to be take uh, take away? Uh, Take away football. How do you think he yeah. is going to be as a sports broadcaster? Really good, like Roma, I think. I mean, is yeah. he going to be? Is he going to be? You know, another Jim Nance? No. Al Michaels? No. 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 Troy Aikman? No. Tony Romo? I could, no. I could see him being like Greg Olson how Greg Olson is right now for Fox. Greg Olson was actually pretty good this year. Yeah, but look how much Greg Olson has paid, too. Nothing compared to what Tom Brady's going to be making. I don't know, J.D. So, I, uh, dude, I mean, I think he could be really darn good, like uh, like Romo, you know, quarterback turned announcer. I don't know. I mean, That's I, smart. I, he knows his stuff. I mean, just, I mean we we don't we don't really know how good of a broadcaster he's going to be, really. Yeah, yeah, but are you saying are you saying this, JB? Though, as as if he's going to basically sandbag it, like he's not going to put everything into being, you know, the best analyst that he can be. No, I'm not saying that. I'm he is going to. Uh, how can I say it? He is going to put forth, you know, 110%. But I just I don't see him being – it It might take about a couple years, but I don't see him being the, you know, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, uh, no, Joe Buck, Tony Romo, Troy Aikman. Fuck. And he's going to be making twice – the salary as Troy Aikman, wow, or hey guys, Tony Romo. Could be worse. Could be worse. He could be like Chris Collinsworth. Oh, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Oh. It could be yeah, here's the guy. Here's the guy. Shoot. It could be. It could be much worse. He could be another Chris Collinsworth. Which, if he is, yeah. it would it would force me it would force me for the first time to have to mute Brady. Yeah. Oh man. I had I had to do it. I had. To. I I, know, I really hey. hope it doesn't come to that. It might. Yeah, I really hope it doesn't come to that because I really do not want to mute Tom Brady. I really hope I don't have to do that. Uh, just remember, I don't take any warning. I like but, listening to I like listening to Chris Collinsworth's uh, son. Oh, better than better than Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. Wait, his son. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's his son. Looks like him, sounds like him, and everything. Well, probably him. He. I didn't even know there was a second Collinsworth. Yeah. What, what, uh, what network? What what network is it? Uh, I don't know. Who's that? Sorry. Uh, Chris Collinsworth's son apparently is a uh, is an analyst. Oh gosh. Wow. Like father, like son. Oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even know. Maybe oh maybe he got signed up for the slap league, slapping league. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> that's that's a whole entire <laughs> different thing right there. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's with uh, NBC. Wow, like his dad. Oh, so he's so he's going alongside his dad. Talk about falling into that a job. It. Yeah. yeah, he really worked hard for that gig. Okay, yeah, really. Once they end up, he had to have two Collinsworths in the same network. Here's my last name. Okay, you got the job. You're hired. I'll, uh, yeah, you know I'll I don't know. Bu- I'll, uh, I'll yeah. uh, go buck yourself. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna be. Uh, you know, I don't think Brady will be another another Chris Collinsworth. Uh, no, I think he'll be know, better I, than that. I do wonder if maybe perhaps he'll be an analyst in terms of maybe he won't be a broadcast analyst, but maybe he'll be. Uh, an analyst in the in the form of like like how we see uh, Bill Cowher uh, on the NFL Today or something, but, or or like how we see uh, Terry Bradshaw, uh, Michael Strahan, and the rest of them. Right. You know, maybe he'll be that type of analyst. Maybe he won't be a broadcast analyst. Yeah, but is he going to be as good as uh, Bill Cower? Is he going to be as good as Phil Sims? Uh, well, he has got a lot of football knowledge. Right, right. That's one well, thing. And remember, so does, Romo, so does Romo Phil Sims. Romo came yeah. in brand new to the game. Romo, so does, uh, so does Bill Cower. Well, I mean, you would think he would know since they played the game, they would have, they would have that advantage. I think he's going to be like Romo. 
he's going to come in right away, kind of um, deciphering different plays. I don't know. Brady's pretty darn sharp. It wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying I'm not kissing up to Brady, but I could see him doing no, doing no, pretty no. well. Like Romo, he just came in right away and was pretty darn good. I don't know. I don't right. think Brady's yeah, going to I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he's going to be a Tony Romo, but I. You know, it's not like I don't think he's going to be like a complete dumbass. You know, I think he's. You're pro. We're probably going to be looking at. I'll put I'll put it this way. You know, okay, maybe he won't be worth whatever money they're giving him, but it's not like he's going to be a complete bomb. Like. Uh, you know, he's not he's not going to be a, com- a complete bomb to where it's like you know why why like he's not going to be as uh, he's not going to be somebody where I'm screaming for him to get the hell off of my TV like I Booger do uh, Collinsworth. Booger like McFarland you do Chris, like, yeah, like you do Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not and like, I know like and I know and I know Jim Early can't stand Collinsworth either. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man. And Brady, Brady, yeah. by the way, I uh, think he'll, by, yeah, he'll be better. By the way, uh, Jim said he Jim said he wished that he could have been on tonight, but he has uh, he has some things that he has to do early on tomorrow. So uh, he's actually uh, he's actually going to sleep. I think fairly fairly early tonight. So, uh, well, that and also he was preparing for uh, stuff that he has to do tomorrow. So. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us tonight. Um, but uh, anyways, we do have another uh, another bit of a, another topic to talk about as well. Uh, with about we have about ten minutes left. Um, Sean Payton is now an NFL coach once again, officially yeah. signing a five-year deal with the Denver Broncos after the Broncos agreed to send their first round pick, which was acquired from the Dolphins in the trade that, uh, that sent Bradley Chubb to Miami, uh, along with a future second round pick to new Orleans in exchange for, for, uh, Sean Payton and Denver also got a third round pick themselves in return. Uh, so, Sean Payton is now the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. And it looks like he's already starting to try and form his coaching staff. And one of the names that has been contacted is Brian Flores, who is a uh, defensive assistant with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers currently. Yeah, I don't know. Good luck to, good luck to Payton. who's always been pretty cocky. Uh, can he can he remind Russell Wilson how to be good again? In that well, and, and win in and win against uh Mahomes and uh Phil, uh those incredible that, that division is so tough. Yeah. Obviously uh Herbert I mean, he did, Justin Herbert. You know, he he did he did appear on uh on the Cowherd show, you know, where he was a uh, he was a regular right. on uh on the Colin Cowherd show and he did say what he would do if he was coaching Wilson. Huh. So maybe perhaps 
there is. Maybe perhaps he could res- resurrect uh, Russell Wilson's dying career. It'll be interesting. Well, he, he is, is a good coach. This is his. This is his chance to prove it. Yeah, it's true. He's a good coach. So I can't can, deny that. Yeah, I mean, this is his chance to prove that he could. That that you know, uh, to back up his words that he could, that he could resurrect uh, Russell Wilson's career. Well, now's the time to prove it, because uh, now he. Uh, it's it sounds it sounds like as well that uh, maybe the entire coaching staff may be let go in Denver. So, uh, you know, may, maybe it's just the fact that they had a, a piss poor system in place. You know, maybe yeah, it's a be. New England type of uh, situation where they had a piss poor system in place for. Uh, you know, for Russell Wilson coming into uh, coming into Denver, and I mean, who knows? You know. Um, and by the way, the cap that I mentioned earlier, uh, it'll be set at two hundred and twenty-four point eight million this year, uh, which is about a sixteen million dollar increase compared to last year's cap number. Uh, which now sets a new league record for cap space. Wow. Uh, so it looks like uh, with several teams still coming in well over the newly set figure, uh, we could probably expect several cuts as well as contract restructures to take place in the coming months as yes. free agency uh, approaches as well. So. Yeah, it should it should be uh I I guess we could we could see potential for fireworks uh this off season. Don't be surprised. No would not be would not be surprised at all. No. Uh and by by the way, uh one of the uh one of the things that definitely is not going to happen, uh Jimmy G will not return to the Niners. Kyle Shanahan does not see a scenario in which he does. No, so, I don't see any. Yeah, uh, when he was uh, he was when he was laughing on the sidelines when they were getting trounced, that was the that was pretty uh, telling that he was not going to be returned. Right, and you know, not just not just him, but also D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, he will not be defensive coordinator next year, as he is. The newly hired and soon to be fired after one year head coach of the Houston Texans. So, yeah. Yeah. and I don't say that because he's a. I don't say that because I believe he's a shit coach. I'm. I don't think that at all. I just think that uh, the type of organization that Houston is. Uh, yeah, he's not going to last long as their no. uh, as their head coach. So, I hope he proves me wrong. But I would not be surprised at all if he's uh, if he's looking for a job next off season. My money's on that. I hope they give him more than a year. He's he was a really good uh, player for the Texans. He's from Houston apparently, and then um, who knows? They're gonna they're, they're number two. They're gonna draft a young quarterback. So hopefully they give him more. Yeah, hopefully was, they give him a few years. But you're right. They usually have a, he, a quick trigger. Yeah, and he was a, he was a superb defensive coordinator too for uh for San Francisco. So 
You're right. Um, You're right. Though. Usually they, they they get rid of people. Hopefully they give them a little bit of time, but but we'll see. How, how, however, though, uh, he, or Chicago is looking to potentially trade out of the number one spot, so somebody could swoop in and take. Uh, who's the Who's the consensus number one pick right now? Chase Young. Yes. Or not Chase Young. Yeah. Uh, Brad's up there, uh, Ohio State quarterback. There's a couple of different guys, really. There's no really like, oh wow, he's the one. There's a couple of different guys in the in the in the combo, I guess. Well, regard regardless, though, whoever uh, Houston might be targeting at number two as a quarterback, uh, there's a possibility we could see some, but we could see a team swoop in yeah. uh, with with Chicago looking to potentially trade the uh, to trade the uh, number one pick. Which I mean, it would be pretty smart, you know. They, it's not like they need a new quarterback, so you know they could probably trade down and still get what they're looking for in a, uh, you know, in whoever, whoever they uh, they end up trading uh, down to. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Chicago doesn't need a QB. Yeah. But I, but anyways, uh, this is uh, we're approaching the end of our show. Uh, I want to thank everybody for calling in tonight. Thank you to Lou, to Alex, to JB, and to Kyle for joining me. Yes. A quick reminder for anybody who has not done so yet: you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Missy AE, or you can find us on iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, and any of any of the major uh, any of the major podcast companies, uh, you can probably find us on those as well. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be it for our show. Um, for any other uh, for any fans of Survivor, uh, I do not have any news as to whether or not we will be doing a Survivor recap show or not, uh, obviously, once we come to a decision, you know, there will probably be some sort of announcement made. Uh, so anybody tuning in for that, stay tuned for that. Uh, but for, yeah, until next week, everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.